All right. Three, two, one. We are live. This is The Hive, episode 16 or 17. I can't actually remember. But tonight, we're sitting here with uh, the champ, Phil Caracappa. The ring of combat champ. Ring of combat champ. Just won it Friday night. So how you feeling? I'm feeling full. Feeling good. <laughs> so you fight at 135. Fight at 135. How much do you weigh when you walk into the cage? Probably 151. What are you weighing right now? 159. <laughs> <laughs> so how much crappy food have you eaten since Friday? I've ate every day since Friday until I probably can't move at night. <laughs> but this will be the last week of that. <laughs> So you get right back on the the training right after this? Yeah, next week I'm right back to I'm gonna f- full time training right back to it. So, the crazy thing about you and your training and everything is that every time we go and do this, we get one step closer to actually living a training lifestyle. Yes. Last time, this is probably the most work you did for a fight. One hundred percent. And by far. you're not even close to what you could be doing. And I'm not shitting on you. I'm no, just I saying know. the reality of it is. It's like you're literally just scratching the surface. And what are you, 5-0 and now? Yep. 5-0 and in the ring combat champ at 135. And I'm going to finally start fully training. Finally. Finally. I'm it's ready. like it's, it's, it's getting to you. It's you're starting to understand. It's starting to become real. <laughs> <laughs> Your amateur record was what? My amateur record was 5-3. and three. Really? I you lo- had three losses? I lost twice at 155. Two That's decisions. huge for you. You're not you're not that yeah. big. I fought Mike Trezano, who was six and zero professional on the Ultimate Fighter. Okay, lost the majority decision to him at fifty five. Went in there just, you know, a small guy, but it was a close fight. I think I should have won. And then I fought at one fifty five a week after I won the amateur one forty seven belt. Oh, that's right. You took that short notice fight. I remember that. Yeah, that big wrestler kid. Yeah. Cracked him twice, and then he just. Held me, the, held me down the entire fight. Amateur, your amateur record doesn't matter. Nobody's no. amateur record matters when it comes to the pro side of things. Pro's pro, amateur's amateur. It doesn't matter. I just hate talking about it. But amateur is where you go and you learn everything. Totally. That's where you get, you figure out how to be, you know, handle nerves and deal with all the different things that come your way. You have to have an amateur side. I mean, you got to get the kinks out because you don't want to be five and three as a pro trying to figure it all out. Right. So obviously you put yourself through the challenge as an amateur, and now you're five and zero as a pro, and you've got a belt, and you know there's there's talk about future and all that kind of stuff now. Well, and I also think losing in my amateur career, I, I lost a close decision, I lost a unanimous decision, and I got the shit choked out of me in, in one fight. <laughs> so I think losing those ways and you know everything I endured in my amateur career has set me up to you know where I'm at now. And that's the point of it. That's why right. you do it. Yeah, exactly. I, I had fighters uh, that I would put through amateur in their amateur career, especially with MMA. They had terrible amateur records, and then they would be good pros. And people were surprised. But I, I'm trying to explain that, hey, in amateur, literally there were guys that were wrestlers. I said, you can't take anyone down this fight. Mm. And they would go out, and they would have to stand and bang with somebody. Because right. it was amateur. Who gives a shit? Right. You want to be a pro, you got to challenge your skill set right. so you figure out, what can I do? Uh-huh. And I used to do that constantly with guys in amateur. 
and more times than not, it worked out. But there are a lot of times guys would give away fights that they could have won if they played to their strengths. But I said, you know what? Play to your weaknesses. Fight right. and see how good it would be. Uh-huh. And that's that's the testing ground of amateur. You can get away with it. But as a pro, you play to your strengths and you smash everyone. Exactly. Because ultimately, you know, you're in combat right now, but your end game is you want to be in the UFC. Right. UFC so champ. So to be in, you don't just want to get there. You want to be champ. How old are you? Right. 25. I'll be 26 June 5th. So you're really right in the wheelhouse. The funny part is, in some walks of life, people would say you're not that young. But for MMA, you're really young still. Which and is he, crazy. I don't. I don't see that. If you look at the age of these guys, I mean, look at Ortega. How old is Ortega? Was he 27? I don't even think he's that. You know, he's a young guy, and right. everyone. But I think he's 25, 26. But I'm saying, look where he's at compared to where I'm at. Yeah, also West Coast, not as much of an amateur scene, coming like out of the campus and, you know, a lot of these guys, East Coast tough. People right. people don't realize on the East Coast, we have so many fighters, mm. it's a bigger scrap to get noticed here. Right. Talent pool's a lot deeper, here. and that's why, yeah, on the right. East, and that's why, especially in New Jersey, I think at one point, somebody told me there's 10,000 registered fighters in the state of New Jersey. That's more than most of the country combined. Right. So you guys have... A much steeper road. So the guys coming out of New Jersey are legit. Do you see any bums coming out of the state? No, that make it? No, not at all. Anyone that gets called up does right. well. Yeah, of course. Out of nowhere. Right. And it's and it's just a testament to the 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 depth of the talent right. pool here. Totally. And the coaching's top notch and we also I mean we have access to we have access to really good training, but we also have access to easy travel. I mean you're we're right where we are right now. We're an hour from Philly. Right. We're an hour from New York City. Yeah. You're 45 minutes from Newark Airport. You can fly anywhere you want to train. Right. You know, Carl flew out to Las Vegas on uh, uh, Thursday last week. Got off uh, red eye this morning and went straight to Bulldogs. Bulldog, yeah. And you know, got a strength training session in. You know, it's just it's easy here for us right. to get the work in. Totally. We just have so many tools There's available. So many good camps over here too. Yeah. Which also again allows us to challenge ourselves better. One thing about being in uh, a state like New Jersey, too, we do have a little bit of an attitude. It's yeah. a little bit different. We, it's the Jersey Shore. Yeah, we're a little, we're a little bit. You're, I think you're, you're a little bit more Southern Shore. <laughs> I'm a little bit more North Shore. Right, yeah. You're more Jim Tan, what is it? Jim Tan Laundry, whatever. Jim Tan Fight. Yeah, that's you. Jim Tan so fight. if you had a show, that would be it. Exactly. GT, GTF. <laughs> <laughs> And your brother fights? My brother fights, 3-0 amateur, three finishes. And your other brother took third at States in wrestling? Took third in, in New Jersey States and got a full full scholarship to uh, Johnson & Wales to wrestle. So you guys are legitimately the fighting Caracapas. We're the East Coast Diaz bros. Oh, boy. Just be yourselves. Don't be somebody no, else. No, I mean, I'm just trying to let people know that don't really know the game. Yeah. We're basically that on the East Coast. Be yourself. Or, yeah, I am. You always say that. I am myself. Because <laughs> you always throw out a guy yeah, that you I try to be a, like. Nah, I'm myself. <laughs> I'll correct that from now on. You got to be you, man. That's at your career. You I don't want to be a wannabe. You want to be who you are. No, I know. You seen the flex in the fight the other night. Yes, I see the flex constantly. I don't think there's a mirror you haven't flexed in front of. <laughs> Seriously. You really do enjoy looking at yourself with your shirt off. Well, that's ex my girlfriend. She's. I can't imagine. Yeah, Did she hide the mirrors in your place? Yeah, she broke all of them. Yeah, I would too. Jesus. 
It's insane with you, the flexing. And I don't even think you realized how much you flex until we pointed it out. No, it's just, I mean, when I'm in the locker room before a fight, it's looking in the mirror, I'm like, <laughs> shit, I'm scary. <laughs> I am scary. That's really funny. So I, the one thing that stands out, and it, it's uh, how I got to know you, and it's probably your greatest strength, is that you're one of the few people that I look at you technically and I say, no, he can't do what he just said he's going to do. But you really get in your head to do something, and more times than not, you make it happen. And it that's a testament to your mental strength. And that's why, you know, we talk about how you're getting more serious about your training now. You really weren't that serious about your training. And you took your control of your own career for a long time, and you weren't really trusting trainers and weren't listening to people, and you're just kind of doing your own thing. But you were successful, so you didn't really have the motivation right. for it to a degree. But now that you're in deeper water, you've kind of seen the light a little bit better. Yeah, I have no choice now. Yeah. It's, every fight really does. Uh, I, was be- yeah, I was beating everyone on half-assed training camps because, you know, I had to work. And then I figured if I'm working, i got to go home and spend time with my girlfriend. So that leaves me only, you know, <laughs> one training session that day, if that. And, uh, yeah, I guess just that the fights got tougher and I'd barely win. I'd realize I have to start picking the training up that much more. And you really don't want to be in too many positions where you feel like you're just barely winning. Exactly. I wanted to start, you know, I want to start finishing people and start winning, you know, decisively. Your last fight definitely, I mean, your whole, your body was different. Your mindset was different. Everything. It's funny. My my wife saw, uh, there was a photo posted of you and I backstage. And my wife was like, was that after? And I was like, no, that was before. And she's like, you guys had that smile like you just won. And it was funny when I walked down, and you were you were down in the basement. Anybody knows how Rant Combat goes? You go down to the basement, and uh, that's where the locker rooms are. You could just tell that you were there. Like mm-hmm. that was the the you could just feel it. There are certain times I walk into fights, and you could just feel the victory. <laughs> it's right. just there. Right. And then there are other times where I'm like, oh shit, I don't know. But that was one of those weird ones where it's like, okay, we're supposed to be here. He's definitely going to win tonight. You just had the attitude. Yeah, there was... It was there an was unstoppable sitch. 100%. You warmed up different. Everything. I felt just... I was confident. Yep. Like, fully confident. I was relaxed. You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, anxious. Uh, thoughts weren't racing through my head. I was literally just like, you know, I prepared... I did my diet. I fully trained. You know, I did the rounds, and everything is just, you know, I had faith in the outcome. And that's the one where your mental strength, now combined with the work, creates a dangerous human. Where before it was really a lot of balls and mental strength. Right. Now you're actually doing the work so that you're not sitting there trying to convince yourself. You know. So when you're giving yourself that pump up speech, that we all do, that when something hard's about to go down, right. you believe it because you know the work you put in mm-hmm. instead of trying to figure out a way to trick your brain. Right. But you just knew. There was no trick. It was, no, no I did the work. It's right. time to kick his ass. Totally. And I feel like this this fight was, as sad as that sounds, was the first time I truly went into a fight with that type of mindset. So think about it. You still haven't, you're not doing the the two, three a days sparring. I did. I, I, no, I'm not, did I didn't more, do that but, much sparring, but I did do two, three days of, you know, whether it was pad work, live grappling. But you have so much more grinding that you can do. So, a hundred so times think more. about you just scratch the surface. Totally. 
So think about how high you can go. If you're getting to the results you're getting now, right. it, it's it's right. limitless what you could do. And I made my pro debut exactly 13 months ago. Wow. This Saturday, it'll be exactly 20 years since I opened <laughs> my first school. Wow. That's a big difference right there. So would you feel like 13 months is a long time? How yeah. old do you think I fucking wow. feel right now? <laughs> I wouldn't have brought that up. No, no, no. It's good, man. It's nah, good. No, of course. I, I'm, uh, I, I mean, it's crazy to, to think about how many people I've gone to battle with and to sit here. It's 20 years later, and I'm still going to battle yeah. with all these guys. It's crazy. It's, crazy. it's the wildest fucking yeah. ride, man. You've but, been through it all. But it, You've it, seen it all. But you know the funny part is? Your fight at Rain Combat for me, I did the numbers. It was it's a lot. It's like crazy high. I've been to Rain Combat more times than I can actually count at this point. Uh-huh. But every time I go, it's it's like the first time. Wow. It it's that same it never gets easier. Right. It it always feels the same because that stress that you feel as a coach, I mean shit. The right. the nerves are there too. Right. It's probably how I feel when my brothers are yeah. fighting or wrestling. It's the worst feeling. Right. I asked you have no Control over it. I asked your brother when we were in a corner, I, I, I said, how nervous are you? And he was like, fuck, I am worse. He's like, it's so much easier to be able to fight. Wow. I feel like they should almost let the coaches fight afterwards <laughs> so we can get our energy out. Exactly, yeah. Let us hit something. Let us yeah. hit each other. Why not? Yeah, I uh, let me keep that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say anything stupid on it. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's going to be hard, though. If we go long enough, something dumb's going to come yeah, out. Yeah, of course. You can't help yourself. Right. You're right. <laughs> I'll let it go when it needs to. Well, at least this fight was good because you didn't yell at Dante. Nah, no. Nah. That was, was a good uh, one. That was. Yeah, the last fight. I, we were just talking about that the other night when I was cutting the weight. That I told him to shut up when he... Uh, he's no. like, but you know what? You told me to shut up, but then you did what I told you to say. So you guys have that hate hate relationship yeah. at times. It's love really hate fun. relationship. Yeah, you love to hate each other but so much. But it keeps much. the fire. It's 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 great. It keeps the fire going. Yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, Dante's an interesting character for sure. He really knows his shit, and you know, if you listen to him, he's just constantly dropping nuggets that make sense and he really right. does help you get through the fights yeah. i mean he's not just he's the only one you really hear he's so loud and he it, does my full-time job in the corner is making sure he doesn't get kicked out of the corner for standing <laughs> up the whole time because right. you're not allowed to stand up in the corner you have to sit on your stool and i'm constantly dante sit down sit down sit down and every single state official every fucking fight no they all say to me afterwards thanks for helping us man we can't control him <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like Dante. <laughs> yeah, he just is really passionate about it. You know, the fire that he had when he wanted to win when he was fighting is just carried over into the coaching side of it, too. He just he wants to win. Yeah. You know, he, but, hey, I would much rather see somebody being crazy and passionate about their job than the opposite. Right. You know, he's not just not giving a fuck and cashing a paycheck or something right. here. I mean, the guy really is pouring his heart and soul into it. Totally. You know, and, and whatever. As long as it works, who cares? Definitely, yeah. You know, as long as it works, that's the only thing that matters. Uh, you know, every everybody's different. Every coaching and every coach and fighter relationship is different. As long as it works, who gives a fuck? Exactly. You know, if the whole world's calling you crazy and you got the belt, who gives a shit? Right. I like crazy. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, Mister. Like, I have to flex with the last ten seconds. <sighs> I had a. You know what? Honestly, that was. 
that wasn't thought of. That was pure just. That's just the, this the, is what you do. The ten seconds, and I needed to solidify the round to make sure I won that belt, and that's what came out of me. I, I this relationship you had with your opponent was different. I've seen it a couple times. There's certain times in your career where you get this weird relationship with a guy that you have to rematch and you pull the best out of each other. Yeah. I think a lot of your switch was inspired by your last meeting with this guy. Totally. Because you knew you could have done better last time if you were in better shape. Right. And he also scared the fuck out of you going to Jackson's for a month or whatever it was. yeah. Had me shit myself. You know. You know, really questioning am I... You know, once I see, I was already putting in so much work, I mean, for this fight, for the past, you know, eight weeks, and then once I seen he was out in Jackson's in New Mexico with the altitude and everything, I, you know, was starting to question everything, but then I realized, you know, there's nothing I can do, I beat this kid before on a shitty training camp, I'm still just gonna keep putting in the work and just have faith in, in you know, what I'm capable of, so... It's funny, a lot of people see what they call the super camps, like a Greg Jackson or Extreme Couture. Uh, there's a lot of gyms in areas that the real estate is a hell of a lot cheaper than what we're dealing with. Yeah. I know Extreme Couture, somebody was telling me it was like 50 cents a square foot, where here for a flex space like that, we're paying $13 a square foot. Wow. So to have a 20,000 square foot space in Vegas doesn't really cost much. To have you know, the same situation in Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm-hmm. you know, it's a quarter of the price of what it is to do in this area. And that's why a lot of times people on the East Coast, will, in the tri-state area in particular, they'll question the quality because we don't have as big a room right, and right. everybody's kind of spread out. Yeah. But it's the economics of it. It's really hard to pull together a super gym in an area like this with the cost of doing business as high as right. it is. So that's why you come to me, you go to Dante, you go to another guy strength and conditioning. It's really hard for us to find a space. We go be under one roof. Right, yeah, you totally. Know? I mean, and then you have to figure it's not only the space, I think it's the coaching too. It's hard to find everything you need in one gym. Yeah, and these other spots, the tri-state area, we're so condensed there's just so much more of everything, too. Mm-hmm. And the cost of living individually is high. Like, you exactly. want to go to Albuquerque. What it costs for us for a month, you could probably live for three months out there. That's wild. So going to Jackson's, living in their dormitory, which they're not paying much money for, right. the cost of everything out there. And then guys tend to consolidate around these big gyms because everything's more spread out. Mm-hmm. Like, I go to Colorado quite often, and it's not a big thing for somebody to drive two hours to go to train. Right. For us, it's like if it's more than 15 minutes, we're complaining because exactly. we're so used to everything totally. yeah. that being so condensed that right. way. So it's just different attitudes. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that. That's why I'm kind of throwing this out there. Is right. It's just different here because of the nature of how we live right. in New Jersey, tri-state area, population, right. cost of living, all that yeah. stuff compared to a lot of these other places. So, you know. Before you go off that, that and that's why now I'm, you know, I just moved to Belmar, so... All my training, I have strength and conditioning in freehold. I have yep. Dante's in freehold. I have you in Oakhurst. Te- that's 10 minutes. You know, Catones, if you start going there on Saturdays, that's 15 minutes. Now yeah. I'm in like... You, you know, centralize yourself. Totally. And you ma- you're making the decisions. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're doing. You're putting yourself in position so that you can do more stuff. And right. two, I mean, getting out, being on your own now and all that right. makes a huge difference too. Yeah. It gives you the space more you need. Uh, more drive, more motivation. Yeah. Right, more space, everything. It's just... 
everything's really falling into uh, falling into place. You gotta start being professional. Yeah. You well, can't just be a professional. You have to start being right, professional. Exactly. You know? Yes. And that's that's the hardest part. When did you start training? I started training in December 2014. What made you want to train? Uh, did you want to fight or did you want to train? I wanted to fight. That's what you, I why you did. I did not just want to train. Hell no, I didn't want to just train. Gotcha. I wanted to. Uh, I've always wanted to fight, but I never. After high school, I didn't go and wrestle in college like I was supposed to. So after a few years, I was what twenty one when I started. I was just like, I've always wanted to fight. I got into good shape in the gym, and then I just you know I wanted to uh, just find an MMA gym and get a fight, which it took a year a year of training to get one. So, where was the UFC at at that point? The UFC was, what was that? It was probably when Frankie was the, uh, Frankie Edgar was the champ. Was Frankie one of the inspirations for you, or what was it? Uh, No, the first time I ever won, I was Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock. was the first fight I've ever seen. And that's literally after I seen that, I was like, that's something. Was that the free one? No. That was the pay-per-view one? We were at my uncle's, yeah, and we just guessed the code to order it, <laughs> and we wound up just ordering it, and then that was that was it then. And you were like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do, yeah. You wanted to be Tito Ortiz. I want, uh, you want to Yeah, I wanted it. to be Tito Ortiz. I like the... the Honestly, front, a lot of people did. I'm not, the flame I, shorts. Yeah. I'm not... Sh- I, at so that time... 14 years old. He was the man then. Right, if you're yeah. 14 years old, this dude coming out and right. his flame shorts and his attitude. It was like the Triple H of like, you know, wrestling. Yeah, he's smashing people, right. doing his whole act. Right. You know, he was good on the mic until he really got dumb. Yeah, but he was, he was... That... Oh, man. I'll never forget when he fought Chuck Liddell. I remember I was away. He fought Chuck Liddell on the New Year's card, like the one they do around Christmas, right. New Year's. And I was out in Colorado... And I remember that pay-per-view came on, and I was actually like a little nervous. It was there's so much energy because uh, that was there was so much buildup for that, that was fight. Like the biggest fight of, uh, that, of all time for the at UFC. that point. That probably was. Totally. And I remember like just there was so much tension. They were both rock stars then. Was that when Liddell knocked them out with that like yes. twenty-piece combo? Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. And there was just so much drama going into that fight too. And I just remember like they. Former training partners talking so much shit about mm-hmm. each other. That was just such a big fight. There was those kind of moments. I think the UFC back then had characters similar to wrestling, which now it's much more of a sport. Yeah, totally. You have some guys that have character, but we definitely follow the wins and losses more than the storylines. Right, yeah. I mean, you have your few that are the big talkers and big names that you know bring... I guess insight to the people that aren't like big in the real, you know what I mean, like the real MMA fans. Yes. But then it's all about skill. My father still asks me when's Chuck Liddell fighting. I'm like, the guy hasn't fought in fucking ten years. Supposedly he's coming back. (sighs) I'm not a big fan of this retirement tour. Sad. This is this is just like a paycheck. I feel like they're doing. And this isn't like getting a part time job. The damage that you can do to yourself in this career at that point in particular. years old, yeah. It just, it's scary with these guys. I mean, do you want to remember who you are <laughs> later on in life? Right, you yeah. know, do you want to know your kid's name or do yeah. you want to have to think about it for a second? Right. Like, I don't know. This is really an unforgiving sport. Uh, someone was talking to me about that today. Someone was asking me, this woman who works for me in my other company was asking me about fighting and fighters and... I was trying to explain it to her how 
MMA, kickboxing, combat sports, it's different than any other sport because by the time you hit 24, if you're not a professional, you usually stop every other sport because you've gone the scholastic route. And if that didn't prepare you for pro, then you just go and get another job. Uh But you don't come to fighting usually until 24, 25. Yeah, exactly. As an amateur or the tail end of amateur. Now guys are coming in younger because the availability Mm -hmm. and access to training and whatnot. But you come to it later and the – it, if you make a mistake in other sports, you lose. If you make a mistake in this business, you get fucked up. Yeah, you can get really hurt. Right, totally. So the the you have to learn in a different way. You can't learn on the job. Right, that's the thing that amazes me with Corey Anderson. I say this all the time. This is a guy who's only got like five years into his MMA career, and right. he's top that's ten crazy, at two hundred five, yeah. right. and he's literally learning. In the cage, in the middle of these big fights, uh-huh. how to deal with certain things, right? Because he didn't have, he didn't have, uh, you know, this long pedigree of martial arts. He was a mm. wrestler, mm. and then he got an MMA. But he's learning how to block kicks in a fight, right? Not in the gym, right? Because yeah. there's not enough hours in the day to work on all of it. Uh-huh. So he's learning on the job. You know, that's why like you're fortunate that you're having a career that you have this. This right. build up. You know, he went to the Ultimate Fighter and got thrown to the Lions right away. So he's only, he's been training five years for. I think with MMA, it's only five or six years of actually doing MMA because he came out of college. He's right. not, his well, age. I mean, realistically, I will definitely be in the top 10 in. Well, listen, I've been, I had my first fight three and a half years I'm ago. I'm not doubting you, man. You I'm say just saying, that, you've been saying this shit to me years, forever two and you've never stopped. Now, I mean, I'm going to be, I'll be 12, 13 and 0 by then. I will definitely be in the UFC within two years from now. The thing that sucks is that there's no magic formula to get into the UFC. Yeah, nothing. It's literally timing and relationships. Right. It's crazy. Like, you would think the best guy would get in, but do you know how many really good guys are out there that just don't get in? Like, guys that are good regionally, Mm -hmm. that are really good and they don't get in because they either don't have the right manager or the UFC doesn't have a spot. I mean, they have so many fighters now that these divisions get backed up and they can't bring anybody in. Uh Totally. And they've got all these guys under contract. They've got 570-something guys under contract right now. Yeah, and they're still cutting. They're cutting people. And they're hesitating. It's not the same when Joe Silva was manager, was a matchmaker. He would cut guys and be like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop you, go win a couple fights, and we'll bring you back. And he meant it, and right. that would happen. Now they're letting guys fight contracts out. Even They don't care. Like, Joe Silva would be like, you could be one fight into a three-fight contract, and right. he just would be, hey, look, you need to get more work. Because he cared. What, they're dropping guys while they, while they still have contracts? They can at any point. If yeah. you have a four-fight deal and you right. lose three fights in a row, they may not give you that fourth fight. Right, right. Figure they might. And then you got to ask to be released so you can go fight, so you can keep making money. Right. Oh, wow. You know, because that's the thing. Uh-huh. If you say you get there and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not ready. Right. you got to ask permission to leave because mm-hmm. they own you. Right. And that's why if they get mad at you, it's you're in true. trouble. They'll, right. hold, they'll hold your contract. You're going right. nowhere. But that's why, hey, I, I truly believe the UFC is the best organization by far. I think they've given guys opportunities that they would never get any, any other way. Mm. I think they make more money for their guys than – the casual fan allows to acknowledge. Sure, is it perfect? No. But it's definitely the best thing going. And 
it doesn't really pay to not be a company man if you're there. If you're right. in the UFC, I think you should be fighting. If they say they got to fight, unless it's something completely ridiculous and you're not right. going to be compensated right, I think you shouldn't get a full head. And I think you should just say yes. I think you should fight, right. get your paycheck, and keep knocking people out. And Hell if you yeah. believe you're going to be the champ, right. go you beat everybody. Be to, exactly. Go beat everybody. Totally. Trust me. I mean, this kid. I remember uh, the kid I just beat, Brandon Arquillo, the first time I was scheduled to fight him, I was like, shit, like, this is my third pro fight, you know, I know how tough this kid is, I know how seasoned he is, but then I mean, I look back to my amateur career, I'm like, I fought BJ Young, if you look at any, Mike Trezano, Anthony Newton, they're all undefeated amateurs and pros, and I just figured, you know what, if I'm said I'm going to be the best, I got to beat anyone they put in front of me. So, you know, that's that's the way I look at it now and stuff for the way I'll look at it in the future. If you're going to talk, you better be able to walk. Yeah. Or you just make an ass of yourself. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing, too, is if you're going to talk it, at least go out there and get carried out on your shield. Die out mm-hmm. there. Right. The, the ones that bother me, the guys that talk and then quit. You know, not taking the fight. There's a million one ways they can work their way around fights, right. but you see guys talk tons of shit and then get in there, and they won't pull the trigger and they hesitate and they yeah. look for the way out. And it's like, what was all the talk about? Yeah, I, don't, I can't. I don't have that in me. Do not have that in me. Well, that's a good that's thing. That's embarrassing. It's just I would never embarrass myself like that. Yeah, I would rather die out there. Yeah, I'd rather get knocked out cold or choked out cold than you know. I'd rather die in there. Like literally, I mean that. You know, you have to kill me in there. And that's, that's that commitment you keep making, and that's why I think you've been able to get as far as you have with the, the, the work you've done. It's, right. You know, so that's why I keep saying you just have nothing but you know, unfulfilled potential at this mm-hmm. point. So as you keep fulfilling this potential, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see where right. it goes. Hey, man, never stop believing in what you can do with right. this. I'm not. That belief is just... When you get put on your ass, that that belief is what gets you back up. Right. Yeah. That fire, that drive. Uh, like you're not gonna stop me. Right. It's so funny how many times I've gone into sparring. I've sparred a lot in my life. There are days that I just don't want to be there, and I get tapped. Like somebody like tapped my chin, and I fucking got a headache immediately, and I feel like I'm kind of out of it. And then there right. are days that I'm like, I'm steel. You can't hurt me. Exactly. And I'll take somebody's best punch and don't bother me at all and it's so crazy it just goes to show you how strong the mind is yeah i'm not saying you can your mind's gonna walk through punches but your mindset really does matter right oh it does i mean in the fight i'm losing i was losing i was literally second round he's on top of me for three minutes i'm literally sitting there on my back like holy shit if i don't reverse this kid and finish this round on top for the next two minutes i'm definitely losing this round and same thing happened in the third round yep Totally. Yeah, you could have folded. I say I've been I've been saying this for twenty years now. Every fight, every fighter, and every fight unless it's a quick knockout, if it goes any distance at all, even if it goes late into the first round, right. you I call it answering the question. You question yourself and you say, I'm either gonna go for it and win, I'm gonna coast and see what happens, mm-hmm. or I can quit and just get the fuck out of here. Right. So I call it the coast, quit, or kill mode. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody gets that. And you were on your ass in the second round, and you had to decide, and you went, you said, fuck it, I'm going to kill him. Right. And the third round, fuck it, I'm going to kill him. Right. 
but that's what separates people that win from people that lose. Right. People that habitually lose are looking for ways out when faced with adversity. Mm-hmm. You're looking for and a way to win. And it's so easy in a fight. You can literally so be like, easy. Oh, he was so strong I couldn't get up. When in reality, I just don't want to go and get beat up or something. You, you just don't want to You don't want to hurt yeah, anymore. Right, exactly. And you don't ex- or exalt, over-exhaust yourself. Or There's so much that goes through through my head, at least, in the, in the cage. But at the end of the day, I'm like... Can't I lose. know you're afraid of fatigue. Yeah. It hurts. Fatigue hurts. Right. When your body's on fire because you have no oxygen and you got to keep still going. There. I'm still totally hurts. there. Like, I got to kill this guy, but my body's like. It doesn't want to. Right. But if your brain wants to enough, you will. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was this fight to fight that kid, to come back in the second and third round off of being on your butt. You're supposed to be the guy on top. We never expected to be in that position. Mm-hmm. You reversed it, did your thing, and every fight ends up being you versus you, not you versus the other guy at some point. Right. And you definitively overcame yourself in ways you hadn't prior. And that's that you were eking fights out before because you were still struggling so hard with yourself. Right. You just happened to do it in a way that got you the call. Right. But instead of winning a split decision, now you dominate. Mm-hmm. Because that battle with you is not, you know, do I want to quit? It's unquestionably you want to win. Now it's fighting with yourself to come up with the way to do it. Right. And that that you could just see that that difference. Um, it's 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 funny. Like there's certain things like you, you couldn't pull the trigger on stand up. That just comes from lack of sparring. Mm-hmm. You got to totally. spar more. I know. No, I know. Because you questioned yourself on the distance because you weren't comfortable. Right. I was. Yeah. Totally. I was. That's what it is. It's, I didn't spar enough this game that just passed. But you pushed yourself enough to win. Right. But you didn't spar enough to capitalize on certain openings. Right. For example, when I trained under you for the BJ Young fight, I was in here basically every night yeah. striking. Banging out. <laughs> banging out. In the cage, I felt on my feet so comfortable. Everything was just but reaction. But you didn't wrestle enough. But I didn't wrestle enough. It was always something... And then this Don't blame that shit on me because nah, I told I you to fucking wrestle. Well, I had my I had my my new girlfriend at home, so I, I left uh, before uh, I left before wrestling started. You live and you learn. Yeah, you got to do the work, man. The one thing about relationships, balancing that shit out, balancing that shit and out, what, and time out, and none of this is my girlfriend's fault. This no, is it's total, yours. It's, it's the totally decision you made. Because she would say, "You're done training, right?" I'm like, "Of course I am." And in reality, I was. You're lucky. I mean, your girl gets it. Yeah. She yeah, really she gets does, it. She does get it, yeah. She knows what you, you need to do. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's trying to figure out how to make it all work. Right. I got it now. think I got it. You think you got it. I think I got it. You think? I, I got it. Well, I'll tell you, we, we, you never get it when it comes to women. Yeah. I guess You'll never right. get it. Right. I've been my wife for 10 fucking years. I still don't still, got it. Uh, yeah. We're having our second kid, and I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> 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 women, man, they run a little bit differently than we do. Right. You know, we run on logic, they run on emotion. That's true. Sometimes I run on too much emotion. Yeah, you're an emotional motherfucker. I am. You're crazy. I am. I'm a mama's boy. I think that's why I'm so emotional. Yeah. And that's why before every fight, I'm friggin' a nervous wreck usually. Yeah, it's funny. This time you were a nervous wreck until you got in the basement, then you were good. Yeah, I was I was on the couch, feet up, everyone's going crazy. I'm just yeah, you know, you listening. Chill. I was just hanging out. Because the result was inevitable. You knew right. what you were going to do. I totally knew what I was going to do. There was no doubt. Did you watch the fights this weekend? I watched 
Yeah, I just watched uh, the Frankie fight. Fuck, man. That was so quick, I know. That's fucking crazy. My heart broke. I felt like one of my brothers or something, like, got knocked out. Look, I actually, I messaged Mark, um, Frankie's coach, Mark Henry. I messaged him right after, and I, and, and it's the truth, man. Frankie's been doing this a long time. Mm. You fight enough rounds, it's going to happen. Yeah, that's just, I did not, that was the last thing I've ever expected. That's why it was so shocking. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. You fight enough rounds and right. shit happens, and yeah. it's it's the you have to accept that when this is your career. Right. Somebody's gonna figure you out at right. some point. Someone's gonna hit you. And the longer the you fight, the more they figure you out. Right. And the crazy part about Frankie is, I actually think right now he's better than he's ever been, which mm-hmm. I don't know how it's possible. Right. There was a point. I think the Gray Maynard fights. He had to focus on one guy for like a year and a half. Right. He fought the dude three times uh-huh. in a row. Right. And I think that kind of numbed him. Because if you remember, the Maynard, he fought Gray three times. Mm-hmm. There's great trilogy. Right. One of the most famous trilogies ever yeah. in UFC. But then his career got weird. He would win and lose a little bit. Like they, were, he, they were close decisions, though, with like but, Ben Henderson. But he got into that weird thing. Right. What, he so he fought... Gray Maynard three times. Yeah. He fought Henderson twice. Fought him twice. And then he fought BJ Penn two or three times. Yes. Uh-huh. So he literally only had three guys in this huge block of time. Right, right. But then he went on this tear as of late fighting all these different guys. And I think having the variety of opponent keeps mm-hmm. you fresh, keeps your mind fresh. Right. You're not stressing out about the same guy right. all the time. And he got to work on different skills because it was different guys. True. And then he just started to evolve. Right. And, and that... That really, I think, made a difference for him and is allowing him to have the longevity. I really would have loved to have seen him fight Max. I know. I don't Even know. I thought, I, I thought Max would have been a tougher fight than, than Ortega. I do, too. But and then I, now that I think of it, now it's so weird. Even not just because Ortega knocked out uh, Frankie. Now I don't know why I see that matchup, him and Holloway, Ortega and Holloway, being such a, a close matchup. I thought that was a good fight because uh, when Frankie got his eye broken mm. and he had to pull out of the fight with Max, right. they were talking about Ortega for Max. Oh, okay. And I know Max's manager, and I was like, that's that's a dangerous fight, man. Right. That's a really dangerous fight because mm. it was going to be Ortega or Aldo. Right. And the Aldo fight was a way better fight for him. Because for, for Max, right? Because just the way Aldo fights and he's yeah, smaller, smaller and, and all that. Right. Ortega, people don't realize how long he is. Mm-hmm. He's a big dude for right. that division. Yeah, totally. And he's also a really calm, cool, collected, intelligent human being, mm-hmm. which is always tough. Yeah, he's not a rattled under pressure kind of guy. I feel like yeah, if you can go into a fight calm like that and just chill and just. And he's a person who's seen a lot of adversity in his life. Right. So he's just mentally tough. Mm-hmm. And he's mature. And his UFC career, he's been losing like a bunch of fights and then comes out and just finishes the guy. Yeah, he just weathers the storm. He learns the rhythm and then catches people. Yeah. And that's that was a really dangerous fight for Frankie. Yeah, I, I knew that was going to be a dangerous fight. You think he worked that fight. elbow? You think that was... I don't know. I was watching the way Frankie was coming in. And I'm going, oh, shit. His, he was coming in a little hand low. Right. It was his hands were stuck in this middle space. Mm, his head was uh, his head was kind of sticking out there, right. and Ortega just read it right, man. Um, Frankie was doing his thing. Yeah, he was tagging him up. But again, like you said, a lot of guys do their thing with Ortega and then right. get caught. But I exactly. think that's kind of his game. Mm-hmm. Kind of gets you in a rhythm where you get comfortable, and then he makes you uncomfortable right. real fast. Yeah, and finishes it. 
Yeah, that 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 was tough. And I, the one thing I really liked seeing was the amount of respect he got from other fighters. Like Conor McGregor really sent respect to him off. Did that. he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, he was like, I wish they, I wish they let us have that fight because he goes, you know, I would. And he wasn't saying it disrespectfully. Right. He was saying respectfully, if you were going to go out, uh, you should have gone out against me. Well, he that was to Frankie. Yeah. Right. Connor, oh, Connor sent it to Frankie after. He's like, if you were going to go out like that, it should have been. been with me because you would have gotten paid exactly. so much better and it would have been more respectful to the career you've had. Career, right. And I and I, I appreciate it. And then Max Holloway was like, brother, I wish that was you and right. me. You know, because Max is now seeing that. Right, right, right. That I've fight's probably that. not going to happen now. Right. Yeah. It could. Totally could. If Ortega beats Holloway, they'll definitely do a rematch. What about Ortega gets hurt? I don't know, man. When you lose like that, they yeah. don't bring you back so quick. That's, even him? I don't know, man. After he... Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. And, and when he hurt himself, when he hurt his eye, UFC right. wasn't real thrilled about that. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. You never know with this business. You yeah. never know what the fuck they're going to do. Yeah, because I thought that Dillashaw was going to fight Johnson. Now he's fighting Henry Cejudo. I think they were pissed that, that Dillashaw that wouldn't fight. fight Garbrandt in a rematch right. as the main event. For 22, yeah. Yeah. I I don't I don't cyborg to me I think that was a shitty main event for that was me. A terrible main event. I don't really care about watching her fight. Yeah, I think I mean if you just look at her physically, what she's done to herself to be that say whatever you want. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm not a fan. I think uh, she's a little bit too enhanced for the women's division yeah, for me. I know. She looks like a uh, 45 or out of straight out of the male division. Fuck. She hits hard. Yeah. She oh, hits yeah. fucking hard. She spars with, uh, I forgot who, what UFC fighter she spars with, the guys. But it's just crazy. She's just like one of them. She's a monster. And that girl that was her uh, her debut in the UFC, they, you know, they fed her that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really bad. I, I think Holly Holmes, her only fight. And maybe Kat's in Ghana. You never know. Even though she just came back and lost. Man, you know what she's coming back from, right? What her her, her husband, husband killed himself, yeah. Suicide. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you come back from that. Right. And she was and she was hurt big time too. Yep. Yeah, that she's coming from all around rough right. spot. That's yeah, tough. Totally. Like I don't know how you get your shit together and mm-hmm. after stuff like that. I mean it was, I think Cormier at one point was trained for the Olympics and I think he lost one of his kids in yeah. a car accident. In a car accident. Yeah. Wow, I didn't Somebody know that. like if I remember correctly, I mean people fact check. That's why there's Google. Don't right. hold me to anything I say on this because I don't know. Yeah, because I thought it fact, was a miscarriage, but that no, must not be it. Well, it could be that too. Who right. the fuck knows? Yeah. Maybe he's got more than one. Right, I don't yeah. know. But I heard that the kid was in a car seat improperly, and they got into a car accident, and the kid died in a car Jeez, accident. Maybe I did hear that. Wow. Yeah. I yeah like that's kind of right. those are problems, man. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't even want to like think about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, man, life moves on. You gotta do what you gotta do. And with a career, we all face adversity. Mm-hmm. And if you're born to be a fighter, you gotta fight no matter what. What happens? Right. You know, shit totally. happens. The, the cage is the is the easy part when you really think of it. Especially, I feel like for fighters. Not that I'm saying we endure so much more in in life, and that's why we're able to fight at that level. But I mean, for me at least, I feel like. Once I get in the cage, that's nothing. Getting hit, you know, just, I don't know. Well, you know what? That is, though, psychologically, too. That's the relief because I I speak about this a lot with sport. In football, you play every week. 
Like every Sunday in the NFL, right. you're playing mm. baseball. You're playing. I mean, Jesus, baseball. They yeah, play like four, every fucking day, five days a week six. against different opponents over and over and over right. and over and over and over. But again, the price of failure in those sports is winning and losing. Right. Fighting, like the New York Giants, don't train for six weeks mm-hmm. to play their next opponent. Right. Yeah. You know, and if you lose, you can always bounce right back. You're coming next right two, back the next weeks. week. And the sport's not so physically demanding that you right. can't play. I mean, right. in the NFL, you're playing week after week after week after week. Fighting, you can't fight every week. Right. Sometimes yeah. you could fight a week later, right. depending upon the nature of the fight. But if you get in a real brawl, you're not fighting for a while. Right, yeah. So you know every day when you wake up, there's another human being thinking about killing you, and you're thinking about killing them, and you're watching right. everything you can on them, and you're looking at everything, and you're reading everything, and you're training with everyone you can train with, and you're super focused on yourself, and you know they're doing the same thing. That pressure is insane. For one night. For one night. And for that result night. you will live with for the rest of your life, and it can make or break your career. And that's the craziest thing lately is the bigger these fights have been getting for me, when I win, like that night when I'm out or the next day, it's just crazy to think if I lose how the night, everything just changes. Yeah. Like my whole, if I lost any of these fights, my life probably would steer off into some type of cop. different, I'd probably be a <laughs> cop. By now, yeah. But uh, seriously, like every win, it's just crazy that what happens that night and then what happens to the following yeah. day and everything. It's just crazy if, if there was a loss, everything would be completely different and I guess that's just such an amazing thing about this sport too. It well, makes the it makes winning that much better. But then the other one is you look at a guy like Corey. Corey Anderson's lost and comes back better every right. time. Yeah. So you don't know that loss. At the point you're at right now, it's tough because every time you lose, you know it's like fuck. I got to win X amount of fights before I get noticed again. Right, before totally. to get them to believe in me again, right. whatever. I mean, look at Ricky Medeiros. He was. He was like literally there. Six or seven and He was there. Mm-hmm. It was like you win this fight, you're in, and right. then he got choked out by Nick, uh, Pace. Nick Pace. And now I still think he should be in. But he now, still should be crazy. in. I agree too. Like I don't and, think. And he beat that guy, uh, Marab, that one in front of Dana White. Yeah. In combat destroyed him, and that guy's in the UFC. But it just goes to show you that there really is no formula to this. Exactly. But On any given night. But you can. You can lose, you can win, whatever. How you take it and what you do with it is always going to be the thing. I, you know, every failure is the foundation in which success is built, mm-hmm. and you're only as good as your last outing. Right. You know, you could lose spectacularly and then come back and win spectacularly, and you're in, and you're and good. Everyone forgets about the. Uh, yeah. I tell you I, that from the amateur. Yeah. But also, real quick, is now after this fight. I guess I have a lot more uh, fans and friends that uh, that are coming out of like the woodworks. It, it really is. It's funny how much people jump on your back and jump on the bandwagon when you're winning, but when you're not doing nothing, or if you're losing, there's no. There really is no one there. Just your family and just who's. That's why it's. It and just, your family's not even there supporting you. Your family's there saying, "Can you please go get a real job and stop scaring right, the fuck exactly, out of us?" Exactly. So at the end of the day, you really just have yourself and your coaches and, you know, whoever truly puts in the work with you. Hey, you're not talking to people that don't know. I mean, Carl was on top of the fucking world. He was the man. Mm -hmm. And then two losses and a bicep injury and the phone stopped ringing. All the fucking guys that we spar with on the weekends now, 
there was nine months we didn't hear from anybody. Right. Yeah. Nobody. Because everybody's doing their thing. Everybody's right. chasing victory. While you're sitting at home with your arm taped to your chest, nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Nobody wow. called me to ask me to do anything. Oh, the golden boy cracked. And his mm-hmm. coach, you know, I'm a shit coach. Carl's a shit fighter. We come back. Carl tears through a room. And all of a sudden, people are like, hey, uh, what are you guys doing over there in Oakhurst? Right. They start inching around again. People love success, man. Yeah. Nobody wants to be around failure. Yeah, you're so right. But think about it, though. Failure is like poison. Yeah. Because once you start to feel like you're a part of failure, whoa, that's, that's right. hard to get out of. Yeah. But I'll tell you, man, 20 years doing this. Okay, I've said this before. I'm saying it again. There's two ways to look at life. There's finite and there's infinite. Finite is the mentality of you have to win every encounter. And the only thing that matters is this moment. Mm -hmm. Infinite is everything you do is to ensure your survival forever. And the one thing as a coach, because I've dealt with a thousand of you. Right. You know, it's a thousand guys who've fought for me Uh and we go through periods of winning and we go through periods of losing right before carl went on a tear i had a a year Mm -hmm. of shit right greg jackson's team they just lost like 20 something in a row before cerrone finally won one for them and now dodson won and they're winning again Uh but it's the nature of the beast it doesn't matter how big your school is how small your school is if you're in a competitive sport long enough it's ebbs and it's ups and downs, ups right. and downs, ups and totally. downs, and you gotta ride that shit, and you've gotta not let the wins get your head too big, and you can't let the losses dig the grave for your career, and you right. can't quit because of losses. You gotta learn from, be analytical, and move forward and keep going. So for me, it's a long-term battle. For you, you have a short window to do it. You know, I can recover in years for a loss, where right. you gotta recover in moments, mm-hmm. and you gotta get your shit together, and you gotta get back on it, and you gotta go for it. You know, uh, I feel like every fighter is one punch away from working at Home Depot. Yeah. But you got to decide. Right. You know? Hey, Conor McGregor, look at that dude. I mean, he lost to Nate Diaz mm-hmm. in the one fight, right? Yeah. And then won the next. And then won the but next, But yeah. we don't... But do you... Th- like, it's hard for me to remember that he lost to him. Right. Oh, yeah, that's so long gone. I mean, it's... And he got choked out. It wasn't even like he just lost a decision to him. Then he beat him and he won two belts. And then he, yeah, exactly. And you then know? he went and fought. And then he went and fought. Uh, went and fought Mayweather. Now no one even remembers that. He Nobody remembers anything. Uh, yeah. Like it, that's it, the thing. Yeah, win or lose, they don't remember it. Just no. what you're doing in the present and what you can do for the future. Yep. And that's it's tough as the from the business side. You never know how the company that is going to hire you to do this work is going to view your work right you're gonna get those opportunities but man you better live in the moment fight in the moment have a long-term understanding of where you want to go but yeah man you got to have fun and you you gotta you gotta do this in a way that you're not gonna regret later right you don't ever want to look back and say woulda shoulda coulda right fucking lay it on the line man my whole amateur career i literally went out there saying i have to put on a show I literally would look out into the crowd, see people, and be like, all right, I have to make sure, like, all these people are impressed with what I do tonight. Why do you think you felt that way? Because um, I'm curious from a psychology mm-hmm. perspective, because I never dealt with that. Right. Whenever I stepped in the ring, right. it literally was me and the other opponent. Right. Nothing else existed. Right. Uh, I think it would partially be that I'm always constantly feeling other people's emotions. I'm always, do you know what I mean? 
I'm constantly, I don't know, attached to what people are were thinking when I'm in that cage because it's one night that I get to, you know, show everyone what I've worked for and, like, who I am. So I'm like, I have to put on a show for these people. So are you trying to prove yourself to these people or to yourself? Um, not Definitely not to myself because I already know what I can do. So I'm like, I have to now perform in front of them. That's basically... That was Muhammad Ali's thing. Muhammad uh, Ali's whole attitude was, right. he said, I'm a world champ. The world just has to realize it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But now it's at the point, I don't care. I don't even think about anyone out there. I'm just literally embracing that there's so many people there, and I love that. Yeah. And I just go in there and got to do what you got to do to win. Like, that's real, which I should have been the whole, whole time, but... So you, your evolution went from you felt the pressure of having to perform for the audience to now the energy of the audience is just another part of the process. Yeah, I've done it. I've fought how many times now? It doesn't matter where I fight, what level I'm going to fight on. I'm just... Just want to fight. Just want to fight, make money, and I do like to put on a show, so... I'm an entertainer. I look at it literally as a, I'm an entertainer. Where do you think all this comes from, though? Because it's different. I feel like... I definitely am not somebody that says, you know, you're definitely of that millennial generation. And it's I don't, not from Conor McGregor. But I don't say millennial. I don't shit on millennials for having a different view because I think that the world in which you're growing up has different media than when I was growing up. Right. You know. Um, I mean, if you just cut everything out, the media right now. If I just go back to when I was a kid, I was obsessed with like the WWE and always you know those big shows and in front of all these people yeah. that, that exciting that that it gave me that uh you know that high inside like that and now that i'm actually being able to do that on a real level like fighting like the ufc it's just just a crazy feeling i can't explain it do I you feel like you're living a dream come true to- i now i am did I'm you starting to did you when you were a kid seeing these spectacles did you look at that and say that's what i'm gonna do or did you feel a separation from it no yeah i totally thought like that's me i have that in me just even from wrestling because i wrestled since a young age i always had that you know that switch in me to i knew it like this was definitely what i was was set out to do i never felt a separation see for me i didn't have YouTube and all this shit right. where where you could go into a comment section and maybe the guy who made the video would actually talk to you. I uh, couldn't DM somebody on Instagram right. that was famous and actually get in a conversation right. with them. For me, like I'm watching ABC, NBC, and CBS right, right. and you know Channel 5, Channel uh, 9. Channel, oh, we had no channels. Right. Like, it was what it was. And somebody that was in the movies, that was like... That's what you they were weren't seeing. even human. Right. That was another uh, stratosphere. Right. There was no access. Right. But it's funny... I would read a book, and if I found out they lived in the area, I would go into the phone book and find them and call them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I did it in high school a ton of times. There was this one guy, wrote a, this guy Tom Brown, wrote a book called The Tracker. And somebody was like, yeah, he lives in Tom's River. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I got a phone book. You probably don't even know what a phone book is. I got a phone the book. Thing, right? yeah, yeah, the yellow pages. I went into the white pages where they have all the house listings. Right. I called every Tom Brown in the book until I found the guy who wrote it. And you would talk to him on the phone? Fucking call him up. So it was like, your book is amazing. And he was like, holy shit, how'd you find me? I was like, I went on the phone book. He goes, I didn't even think anybody would even think of doing wow. that. Yeah, I ended up, I met the guy for lunch one day, and I found out my biology teacher was one of his best friends. And like, it was just crazy how that happened. Yeah. Wow. I would read Black, universe, I would read Black Belt Magazine, mm-hmm. and I would 
call the school that they were doing something on that mm-hmm. I found interesting and then try and go and meet them or train them. Wow. I've never had – I've never had um, – So you've always been like outgoing? It's not even outgoing. I just never felt uh, uh, like there was a separation between me and anybody else. Oh, okay. Right. That way. Right. Okay. Crazy one. Uh, you know um, – Oh, fuck. What the hell is his name? The Easton Assassin. I got to look this up. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Um, was he a fighter? He was a boxer. Uh, I'm going to say his name. And then you're going to know what I'm talking about. Easton. Larry Holmes. That's who. Fucking Larry Holmes. Every time I always. Uh, Football player? No, Larry Holmes, the boxer. Fighter? Oh, the boxer. Okay, he's from Easton, PA. Mm-hmm. So Larry Holmes at the time, he's like 50 years old. Hey, is music going to screw you guys up? Are you recording or something? Hold on one sec. We're being interrupted. Is this Rob Schultz? Yes, it is. Rob, we are definitely recording. Uh, I apologize. No worries. No worries. Give us a few minutes. You can work out, dude. Okay. I just won't All right. Sorry about that little interruption we had. But Larry Holmes is the Easton Assassin. Right. That Larry, was his nickname? Yeah, because he was from Easton, PA. Okay. He fought Muhammad Ali, world champ, no, I heavyweight champ name. of the world. Right. But he's like 50. Uh-huh. And he must be hard up for money. I hear that he wants to go and fight in K1. And this is towards the end of my association with K1 my first time around. I came back to K1 a second time, but this is kind of in between. So I hear this. I literally hopped in my car, and I drove to Easton, PA, and I went to his office. Knocked on the fucking door, and I said, where's Larry Holmes? And it was his manager, and he goes, why? I goes, because I heard he wants to fight in K1, and I want to tell you he's fucking crazy. And they were like, what? And he was like, come on in. And then I told him who I was and what I do. And I was like, if he's going to go to K1, he needs to train. And I'll train him for it. But I want you to understand what you're getting yourself involved with. And he was like, what? I was like, you see that baseball bat? He had a baseball bat, sign bat. And it's like, I'm 185 pounds. I will kick that. I will kick right through that bat with my shin. No problem. I said, now you take a 265-pound man who can do way worse damage than that. That's what you're facing. So you can punch your hands all you want, but someone's going to kick his leg off. And Larry was listening in the hallway. And he comes in. He's like, so, like, whatever. And we were talking. And then here's the crazy part, though. So I said, look, why so do you want to talk to him? I talked to Larry Holmes and his manager. Right. I wow. kind of talked him out of doing the K1 thing because uh-huh. I told him, I'm like, you're crazy. You're going to get really hurt. Somebody's going to really hurt you. And I was like, are you doing this because you want money or what? And his manager was like, well, we're looking for different opportunities. So I'm like, yeah, so you need money. Right. I was like, if I come to you with an opportunity, will you cut me in on it? And they were like, sure. I got my car, drove home. Jimmy Kimmel's show just started. Right. Oh, this I, is that, that long ago. I called the box office and said I need the produ- the production office. Uh, they gave me the producer's office. Right. I got the producer for Jimmy Kimmel on the phone and cut a deal to have Larry Holmes sit. Because when he first started, he used to have athletes and famous people come right. and sit with him and be like his Ed McMahon. Mm-hmm. And I got a fucking deal where they would have had Larry Holmes come out for a week, sit on the couch uh-huh. and co-interview people and whatever. Uh-huh. And the whole thing was done, and then Larry didn't want to do it because he didn't think it was enough money. But I'm crazy, right. is my point. Right. Like, I literally made that heard something, right. got in my car, went out to his office, right. went home, made a bunch of phone calls, and right. cut a deal in Hollywood for a famous retired boxer wow. to go do something. And he turned it down, or else I could have made a little bit of a side project off right. of it. But that's, like, for me... So with Carl getting the fight with Jerome LeBanner, right? To me, that's no big deal. Like mm-hmm. I just feel like 
when there's opportunity, if you're ready, you take it and right. you go for it. And as an athlete, you've always got to be ready and you just go for it. And uh-huh. I just don't have that separation. So, like, a lot of people are like, oh, aren't you excited that you met so-and-so? And I'm like, what, you mean the other human being who puts his pants on one leg at a right, time just yeah. like I, I well, do? That's, I guess that's, that's another thing with this sport. Now that I get to train alongside some, like, you know, UFC stars who are famous people, it just goes to show you everyone is everyone's equal. Everyone's the same thing. Well, fucking human, man. No, there's no difference. I don't get no... Even if I meet a celebrity or something, not like I have, but I just don't see a spark. Like, oh my God, that, that thing anymore. I just don't... Everyone's the same thing. Fighting does make you understand that we all are the same. Yeah, I guess, because people look at us. I mean, after my fights, I'll tell you, when I go out to the club where people look... I can see them looking at me like I'm this... This... I don't know if you want to call it celebrity or just not human. You're somebody that's doing something that they can't do. Right. For whatever reason, they don't feel they can do what you do, mm-hmm. which does make you famous in their mind. Right. I mean, the one thing with fighting, too, a lot of guys get this attitude that certain people are superhuman. Right. But fight enough, you realize everybody goes down to the same shit. Totally. You can punch anybody in the jaw and knock right. them out. Mm-hmm. A temple is a temple. Right. A liver is a liver. A solar plexus is a solar plexus. And if you kick any human being in the leg enough times, right. it will break down. Yeah, like, totally. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. There's Donald, no Superman. Donald Cerrone, you probably seen that interview he did a few weeks ago. No. Nah. He, like, hit it right on the head. He's like, the week up into the fight, you have so much anxiety, you, gotta, you can't eat right. And he's like, and then your friends are coming up to you. Yo, dude, you're going to fucking whoop this guy's ass. And then... He's like, no, bitch. I got to go out and fight this other guy that's trained to whip my ass. Like, it's not not as uh, just funny because everyone goes up to you and like, dude, you're gonna wreck this kid, and then you're saying to yourself, it's it's not that uh, not that easy. It's funny how that can throw you off. I find actually, it would be better if people are like, you pussy, you're gonna lose, right. than you're gonna win. Right. Because yeah. you're like. I believe in myself, you believe in yourself, mm-hmm. but then when other people's ideas creep in, it can fuck it all up. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. so weird. No, you're so right. I think just emotion, emotion is what, like when I went into this fight with this kid, this this fight that I just had, uh, we had a good relationship going into the fight. This I looked at this kid as like one of my friends. Yeah. I fight better like that. The fight before, this kid was talking shit to me, I wanted to kill him, I had so much... <sighs> Emotion and it just I learned that I like to go into fights, you know, emotionless almost, you know. Yeah, when your emotions can throw you off for sure. Totally. When I was young, I used to have to hate people. That's how that's how my brother is. So my brother gets into this, you know, rage where he's in the cage and right before they they ring the bell, he looks at him and starts pointing to the ground and starts screaming. And I'm just like, what? I could. I could never do that. But that's his thing. Yeah. He, he may keep that. You. Right. Yeah, you You may right. lose it. You never know. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have your thing. You don't like to get into that space. Right. Your brother needs to get in that space. Uh, it right. is what it is. Again, if it works for him, it works for him. Exactly, yeah. No, I'm just saying it goes to show you how emotion really plays into yeah. to everything. Absolutely. I think fighting, you spend enough time in that cage, you come, you have to deal with the reality of who you are at every level because you're going to go in deep on a fight I mean shit man when you're on your back somebody's punching you in the face and you got to reverse them right you really do figure a lot of shit out 
It's amazing. It's crazy what thoughts are going through your head in those two minutes. That's what I was whole, just going to say. My whole life Everything. is flashing in front of me. And it slows down. Totally, yeah. And when you get into that sweet spot, you see everything coming at you. Mm-hmm. And people are like, man, it must hurt. It's so funny how little it hurts when you're yeah, in there. nothing. You don't feel nothing. Elbows fucking hurt, though. I hate elbows. Yeah. Well, yeah, when he elbowed, elbowed me in that first, I definitely felt that. Elbows fucking hurt. But uh, he, did you see him do that flying knee to my, uh... Yeah. He he caught me. Yeah, I know. You, I put my, I, that was the first, only time I did in the fight, I put my hands out because I was like, shit. Like, no, like, I saw your shoulders go in. I was like, oh, he can't breathe right now. Yeah, I could not breathe. <laughs> I was like, shit, he's probably gonna, and I threw my hands out the side like, ah, that didn't do anything. Yeah, but that's again that you're playing the psychological warfare with yourself at that point. And you're yet. as much saying to yourself, "I'm good," as right. as him. It's exactly. fucking crazy, man. Yeah. It's such a trippy sport. It is. It, There's it, nothing like there is nothing like it. It, it. You're definitely a true believer in the sport and in yourself and the opportunity in the sport. Like mm. you're you're like all in on this. Yeah, I'm totally all in. This because not even the fact that I know I'm going to make it to the UFC, whether it's in six months, whether it's in two years, I know I'm lined up to, I mean, I don't know if this sounds right, but I'm lined up to, I'm going to get fired the night, uh, every two out of three fights. I guarantee that. Guarantee it. I, I, I hey, just, man. Again, I, I'm not going to say anything because it's what you believe and everything you said well, just you believed, you've kind of made it happen. And I'm going to. Totally. Yeah. I believe it. That's what it is. Just like Luke, Luke Rockhold said. <laughs> And the corniest thing, if you believe, you will achieve. And, uh, yeah. That's an old saying. He didn't say that. He I know, but the way he said it, he did this whole, like, uh, he's like, and I know what I'm going to do, and what I'm going to do is beat you. And You know, the thing that I'm, here, here, here's my, here's my thing on that, though. You look what happened to Rocco last time, right? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's two people that drop quotes. There's the one guy who's scared shitless and feels like he sucks and is trying to convince himself that he doesn't. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to act tougher and smarter than he actually is. And I think he's the epitome of... uh, He's totally that. He doesn't believe what he says. No. Not at all. He breaks. Right. He's a bully. When he's doing good, he does great. Yeah. But when he starts to get into adversity, he falls Mm -hmm. short. Yeah. So... I don't care if he gets pissed hearing this because I got a 185-year-old will knock his fucking chin off if you got a problem <laughs> with what I'm saying. Up. You know, I don't give a right shit. Up. But you're you're then there's the other guys like yourself who you legitimately do believe it. Right. There was somebody who was telling me once, I don't even know if it's true. Again, go to fucking Google. Don't ever believe anything I say. Always look it up on Google to figure out if it's true or not. There was somebody that was talking about quantum physics that if you say positive things – it doesn't create anything. But if you actually believe what you're saying, your body actually generates more energy in some measurable form. So that's like basically saying, you know, you attract what you... Not law of attraction kind of no, shit. Not but even that. Like, So my girlfriend, for example, if I say something like, oh, I feel like we're going to get into a car accident because it's so bad out. She's like, don't say that. You know, Don't say car accident because the universe might give you... But the way I look at it is, I don't believe in that. I do believe in what I've, what I believe is going to happen, and what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like no, that, but that's what does what, come. What that, that's what happens. Not like changing the universe kind of thing, right. but if you say, "I'm going to win," right, and you believe you're going to win, mm-hmm. you actually have more energy generated from your body right. to put into 
the activity of winning. Right. So belief and action, when they're lined up, mm-hmm. we perform at our optimal best. Right. And we are producing a higher level of output than somebody that doesn't believe what they're saying. Right. So the guy that's like saying the happy shit but doesn't really believe it mm-hmm. doesn't have as much oomph behind him as right. the guy who does. I mean it just makes practical sense yeah, totally. that way. But from a again from like a quantum physics principle, it just uh, I found that to be really interesting. I, the the law of attractions bullshit. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what anybody says you about think it. So one hundred percent. You cannot fucking will the universe to bend to right. your needs because mm. you know then we would all be fucking billionaires and you know. So what do you think of? Roles. I'm not saying Conor McGregor did that. I think Conor McGregor made himself extremely mentally system. strong. He has a real belief system that he backs up with an extremely high level of work. Mm-hmm. And I think he mentally and put And you him, do think he puts in an extreme amount of work? You really do? He, he, there's no way. There's no way he doesn't? There's no way. I mean, his mechanics uh, are rock solid. What and about his, his cardio? What do, you, what do you think about that? I think he doesn't spar with guys that are better than him, so he's never put to that point where he's... So Where was his cardio a problem? In every fight. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. He, what fight did he have a problem with cardio besides fights with bigger guys? Well, he fought... He, the Diaz fight, he had problems with it. What, you're saying that's just because he's bigger? Well, think about it, though. Look at the five-round well, fight Well, think about Diaz, when you though. fought at 155. Right. Did you train as hard? Well, no, because you weren't really training. Right. But think about it. When Carl fought at 205, his cardio wasn't as good as 185. Okay. The discipline he needs to make 185 right. and the cardio he has to do to be 185 so makes him Connor a fucking machine. Four, you think Conor at 55? When he fought Diaz at 170, he didn't he have to do... He fought him at 70 the second time, too? Didn't they both fight at 70 both times? Yeah, you're right. So he didn't put the fucking work in. Yeah, wow. So you're He's, saying if he fought him at 55 for five five-minute rounds, his cardio would be... I think be, it would be a totally different situation. Okay. And the Mayweather fight, people talk about his well, cardio. No, you can't That's train not, for a, You can't train. I mean, he got right. his fucking head beat in. Right. I mean, he was getting chipped up. Mm-hmm. And the way Mayweather was I'm fucking sucking the life out of yeah. him. Right. You know, I mean, uh, what else did he have problem in cardio besides the Diaz fight? No. I don't think he did. In the Mendez fight, he didn't have no, it. No, no, no. Mendez fight, he had he trouble with the yeah. wrestling. Right. But the whole time, he was sitting there going, I'm right. going to knock you the fuck out. Don't right. let me up. I'm going to knock you out. Yeah. And they did it. So it is. His is a belief system and just hard work and yeah, it's hard work, super solid mechanics. Sick He's mental game. Sick mental game. Evolved. He evolves every fight. Right. He's a really good grappler. Nobody gives him credit yeah, for it. He's a really good grappler. Mm-hmm. He's not a good wrestler. He's right. a good grappler. Yeah. Exactly. And he's a phenomenal puncher. Mm-hmm. He can kick. The Diaz fights. Right. He went from boxing him. Kick the next fight him. he came out, he started kicking. Yeah. I mean, the guy's smart. Right. He's putting the work in on all the different skills. Mm-hmm. He's got a game plan, but he just believes, man. Right. He believes. That belief, that un... I mean, he's one of those dudes that literally is like, I don't care. As long as there's one second on that clock, I'm going right. to knock you out. That's the Muay Thai mentality that I've always liked. I, I had somebody was talking to me about Thai culture, and he said the one thing with Muay Thai is that these Thai fighters are raised to have an attitude of as long as there's time on the clock... Mm-hmm. There's a chance you can knock the dude right. out. And that probably gets you through getting your ass beat and not giving up because you know that you have that that one second is all you need to. Yeah. Right. Think about it with any sport. Like I've watched football games and I'll see, okay, the Patriots, not when they lost to the Eagles, but the year before. Right. I mean, well, how many touchdowns were they behind? And they came back and won. Right, right, right. There are some people that say, 
okay, we're early in the fight or early in the game, mm-hmm. and you fall really far behind. Right. Some people say, oh, I dug a hole. I can't get out. Right. And then there are other people that say, well, they just did it. Mm-hmm. Well, I could do it too. Right. So let me just do it. Right. And they work their way back out of it. Mm-hmm. I always tried to see the psychology of how it works. You could see teams but. Okay, someone's lifting heavily in the background here. Well, at least this isn't the gay episode. We had one episode of a guy was lifting, and he uh, was grunting and groaning. And, and, and you I, heard it on you? You heard it on here, so I'm talking to my buddy, and all you hear in the background is like, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, so that was the officially the, the full-blown gay Favorite. podcast episode. <laughs> but um, I've, seen, I've seen a ton of sports where you see teams as a group collectively right. just break. Uh, you see them just quit. Right. Well, it's probably because they have that one leader that, that if they're not, you know – they're just not coached to be fucking right. winners, man. True. But True. think about the it. Patriots are winners. Fucking through I mean, and through. They every believe. year, no matter what, they fucking no matter if they're no matter what game they're losing, they always whether they whether they lose, they're gonna fight you down to that last second to make sure that they. And I even thought after the Eagles beat them, they were like, "Fuck! If we had two more minutes, right, we would have yeah. won." They they would have. You know, that like, was a scary thing. You give them a little bit more time. So they right. they lost, but they know they could have got them if uh, they just had a little bit more. So right. that's that hungry belief. Keep right. going. So that's one of those ones where, as a fighter, you could lose, but you just know it's like, fuck, it just, mm. just didn't work out this time, but I'm right. still a winner. Fuck you. I'm going to keep going. Right. And but, I think I got most like, – I forgot. I didn't say it before when you said what – who did I look up to, like, with fighting? Yeah. George St. Pierre. I've studied him my whole life. I yeah. literally just was obsessed with George St. Pierre and – I feel like that's the epitome of what I... Uh... I don't shit on George St. Pierre because I think George St. Pierre is one of the greatest fighters, but... You never like... I don't know why I'm not, you... Because... How? He's a winner. He wins. But he wins decisively. He, You could name anyone he's beat. He makes sure he beats them that full five rounds. Whether he is taking you down... But he does it the Albuquerque way. He What's fucking, that? He just... He, they... they, they they beat you with the rules, which is fine. If they're winning, they're winning. I'm not shitting on somebody for it. Yeah, but, but if you're asking me, like, okay, Chocolate would Chuck Liddell would knock somebody out with a fucking overhand right, right and right. put him to sleep. I love that. Right. You know, but like, Saint Pierre had good striking too. He had that Superman yeah, match, the head kicks. He, he got just crisp to up. me, he wasn't a destroyer of worlds. Right. He was totally. a winner of fights. Well, that's why Rampage Jackson was my. I had Rampage Jackson and I had George Saint Pierre. That's where I. Literally, like Fedor in his prime. Right. Holy shit! Right. That's a, that dude's Kill got kettlebells for right. hands. Uh-huh. Scary human being, right. uh, and technical. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think who are like the world beaters that are like. Rampage wow. Jackson was a was a killer. Who? Rampage. Yeah, Quentin. Rampage for sure. That's, that's someone I got, where I got my brawling from. I think. He, but again, the brawling side of it was a was an issue for me. Mirko Krokop in his prime is just. Uh, a, a savage. I always love Josh Barnett too because Josh Barnett was the epitome of uh, cross between pro wrestling and MMA. Uh-huh. Had really good. His grappling style was different. He was a pain. He was a deliverer of pain, not right. just submissions. Right. Hendrick Gracie was just a savage of a fighter mm-hmm. too. Um, I hate to be going old school with it. I mean Anderson Silva when he oh, beat yeah, yeah. when he destroyed Rich Franklin right. and then went on the tear up until the Chow Sonnen fight. Mm-hmm. Like up until the Chow Sonnen fights, that was that was a very scary human being. That was by far the scariest fighter. And one thing people by don't far. realize with him, 
Tell me how many times he knocks somebody out with the same thing. No. Yeah. It's always something it's a different. Knee, punch, kick, everything. Weird shit. Right. A jab. Knocked out Forrest yeah, Griffin yeah, Forrest, with a jab. That was bad. I remember that. People thought that was uh they yeah, thought it was fixed because it was as far as ran I know, he ran out friggin' uh that was really that was embarrassing. You wanna know my, my I think the one three fights my three like get off the couch what the fuck moment fights. BJ Penn when uh he split Diego Sanchez's oh, like yeah. put the vagina in his forehead. Right. When Matt Hughes fought Frank Trigg and he got hit in the dick mm-hmm. and then he ended up and Trigg didn't stop because the ref right. didn't stop it uh. and Hughes looked like he was done and then he came back and uh. he slammed him picked him up when he picked up Frank Trigg took like five steps dumped him and then Cross. choked him I was standing so in my like living Hughes? room like holy shit uh. I don't know if I'm a real fan of him as a human but yeah. I liked him as a fighter like yeah. just the grit of him he was a tough bit of a bully I don't know yeah. I, I'm on the fence but all time what the fuck moment it was Randy Couture versus Tim Sylvia. Heavyweight. When Randy Couture came out and punched Tim Sylvia in the face and put him on his ass, I was just like, what the fuck? you got to be kidding me. That was... Mine was Kane. Kane Velasquez, Brock Lesnar. Oof. Because that was when, like, Oof. no one thought, uh... You know what I mean? Yeah. That was scary. Shit. That, that was scary. Oof. I don't know. Since you said that, that's literally the fight that just, like, uh... What? Kane and uh, Junior Dos Santos. Oh, yeah, that fired their wars, right? Yeah. What about the one? Didn't he knock him out quick? Yeah. I think Kane got knocked out in quick. Like 30 seconds. And then came back in the next Five fight. Rounds and just, just, oh, that was the one where Junior Dos Santos like, almost died yeah, three yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. literally thought he was going to die in that fight. Yeah, there's a couple fights that really stand out but I I, I always and the that, Diego Gilbert Melendez when they were just sitting there just that was slugging. crazy that was just a crazy well, that, was just, uh, that was just a crazy like who's got the biggest right. dick fight you exactly. know my St. Pierre fights though I'm like I'm trying to think of the St. Pierre Johnny Hendricks fight was painful that was yeah. that was a hard fight that was that just a war me. of a fight that was bad and also the one fight that St. Pierre won me over though was when he fought Carlos Condit yeah. And Condit dropped him with a high kick, yep. and, and he came he, back, and he, right. and he just went to work. Mm. He's just such a blue-collar working man fighter to me. I respect St. Pierre. Right. I'm just not a huge fan of his style. So you don't think he's a warrior? No, I think he's a warrior. I just don't think he's a world beater. Right. I think he's a fight winner. Right. I yeah. respect guys that win fights. Uh, I mean, look what he I did just to Bisbee. Yeah. I mean, that end at 85 that right. was perfect for him though that was amazing but that was a perfect fight for him right Bisbing at totally. this point in Bisbing's Slower. career anybody else at 85 yo no man way. if he comes back and fights Woodley I think Woodley's gonna fuck him no, up no he said he's so there was you didn't see the thing that just yeah, came he on he might go man. to 55 55 yeah. yeah yeah he's just saying that though I think he's scared of Woodley I'd be scared of Woodley too I think see, yeah well, Woodley's ferocious yeah he wants he wants to kill you nah. he wants to punch a hole in you he may throw one punch at a time, but that's, right. that's a motherfucker of a punch if he hits you with it. And he knows how to beat everyone. And he has. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's so many... I don't see anyone beating him at 170 unless, like, uh, Ben Askren comes in there, but they're teammates, so... Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. The Askren-St. Pierre fight I would like to see happen as an oddity, yeah. but I think it would be one of the most boring, god-awful fights ever. You think Askren takes him down? Yes, for sure. Yeah? But I think St. Pierre beats him. Really? I think St. Pierre is too well-rounded. I think St. Pierre's 
understands wrestling enough to give Askren a hard time. Right. Like Askren's a phenomenal right. like Do you think he beats anyone in the UFC in his weight class? Askren? At one seventy? Just take out Woodley because that's his uh Yeah. I really don't know who's gonna beat him. His wrestling is just too good. Right. His style sucks uh, to watch, but he fucking wins. You right. gotta give it to him. I mean, I think the guy he's got, got hit. thirteen. Oh, yeah, I know. He's got but like thirteen fights. But I think he's fights. only been hit in the face like once in his yeah. last seven fights. It's no, crazy. Totally. I know. It's crazy. I met him. He came. Oh, you in, met him. He met before he was a fighter. He came. Uh, he was like you know national champion wrestler. Came and did a seminar at Triumph Wrestling. Oh wow! And he was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna start trying to do this MMA thing. And the next thing I know, he's like pops up in Bellator and is like dominating people. Yeah. But for five rounds. One thing I could say about the UFC in this particular moment, this is the most positive I think I've been about the the newer members on the roster. Like I felt like it got stale and there wasn't I don't think you have the personalities that you had maybe five years ago, mm. but you've got talent right now, like Ortega. Right. Like guys like him, like Carl, right. like Corey. Mm-hmm. There are young guys right now that are savage. Right. That I think with over the next couple of years will take over the sport. You're going to see a rise of some extremely talented. You think that kid's elite? Oh my god, that kid's just like it's you crazy. Think he's going to crack like the top ten easy. I think he already has. Is he in the top ten now? No, he's fighting that guy Bo, uh, Bochinic. He's Zabit's scary because I don't even think Zabit's actually even really shown a quarter of what he's right. got yet. Uh-huh. I mean, he's freaky good. Right, and he's forty five. He's a I seen the pictures of him. He's huge, really tall and skinny. Yeah, but I'm saying he's so lengthy at and that. he's so composed. Right, but I guess if you were raised in the mountains, like <laughs> you know, with no heat, right. yeah, like if you were hungry, you had to go kill something. If it's you're like thirsty, you have to go to the fucking water. Yeah, totally. they're they're animals. I mean, right. and I'm not saying that derogatory way. I mean, these these, mm-hmm. these guys like. They're fucking animals. You like Khabib? Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing with Khabib is everybody. I mean, his top game's savage. Right. But I don't. I don't well, what do you think of him? I don't know if the power's Ferguson. there. Yeah. If he couldn't finish Edson uh, with all those punches, right. I don't know if his hands were really that heavy. And Edson, yeah, and Edson's right. coming back pretty quick, so Edson wasn't hurt. Oh, he's back already? Oh, he's fighting fighting Kevin Lee. He's fighting the fucking main event for Atlantic City. That's crazy. So think about That was one of the worst beatings I think I've ever seen. Took over 100 punches. Yeah. So I think that his top game is super heavy, super rough. Right. Crushes your spirit. Beats you up. But I don't think he has, I'm like going to put you to bed for a month kind of power. Uh, Edson hits you. You're going going to bed for a while. Totally. You know, there are certain guys that just have the ability to put that together. But I, I don't know if Khabib has that kind of power. We'll see. I mean, his, his manager is trying to say that he's going to, like, retire Ferguson and all that. Ferguson's a really well-rounded, tricky yeah. dude. On, off his back. Especially. Off everything, though. Right. Like, he's, his stand-up's good because uh-huh. it's a little funky. Right. He's got some power. He's knocked some guys out. Right. Look what he did to Dos- uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah. I feel like no one even remembers that. And Rafael Dos Anjos is... One of the best. And now he's at 170, and he's literally cracking for like a title shot. He's he's a beast too. I know. He's another. One. I don't know. I I get weird with him. He's got Brazilian muscles. Well, you think a lot of the uh, not, I'm not even gonna say Brazilian guys. You think now, USADA since it's taken into place, a lot of people's careers have because of that reason. Yeah. Like Anthony Pettis, maybe. 
I'm not going to throw all the names I'm out there. I'm not even there, saying him about you saw. I'm just saying, like, for him, example, he just went from on top of the world to doesn't seem like he has the confidence to, to win a fight. But I think Pettis got exposed. I what think, do you mean? Oh, like he just... There's certain, okay, Dominic Cruz. Right. We had this conversation before. The problem with Dominic Cruz, he doesn't have good fundamentals. Right. He's a very good wrestler. He has good wrestling fundamentals. Mm-hmm. But every other aspect of his game, he was depending upon that funky style. Funky, yeah, totally. But the minute the funky style stopped working, he had nothing else to fall right. back on. Right. So where... So you're saying with a Cody Garman, you're saying. Like yeah. that fight. Well, and look at the difference between TJ Dillashaw versus Cody right. and versus Cruz. Mm-hmm. So TJ had the same problem Cruz had, except right. when TJ went back to the corner, uh-huh. Dwayne says, settle down, uh-huh. focus some power on your stuff, mm-hmm. and then he knocks him out, and he right. wins. When Cruz goes back to the corner, what do you say to him? Settle down. I don't know how. Throw yeah. a straight punch. doesn't know how. True. Put your footwork together. He doesn't know how. Right. Like, wrestle him. Well, I can. It's not working. Right. I okay. think he has great footwork. He has great footwork. Right. But again, he has very good footwork within spe- his style. Yeah. But if you figure it's his like style out, he's fucked. Almost. Yeah. It's he's a freak. He's yeah. one of those freaks of nature. Nobody could figure it out. But once right. you figure it out, you're, and then I listened to a done. podcast on that he was talking about that he never even thought about fighting or anything. He just would, uh, he said some guy brought him into a gym was like, dude, why don't you try this out? Because he was a wrestler. Yeah. And it was like right after coaching wrestling for a high school, right after he graduated. And then he started training was like, I could start like whooping people's asses and not getting picked on anymore. And then next thing you know, he's in the fucking UFC. He's one of those guys that with balls and, and his mind was able to really make an amazing career. But the problem was he skipped the fundamental stage and just went straight to being a badass. Exactly. But the thing is, as you're in the sport long enough, everybody understands what you do. So if you're not evolving, look at you, man. Look at where you're at. Every fight, you do something different. Mm -hmm. Things change. Right. You get better. Totally. Look at Carl. When Carl, I mean, Carl was a pure kickboxer. Nice choking UFC fight. Arm bars, chokes. Right. Takedowns. He's smashing people at all different ranges. Right. And... He's getting better at him. Corey, straight wrestler with ground and pound, yeah. who then became a boxer, who right. now is learning how to kickbox. Like mm-hmm. he's evolving. Right. So it's not like you can go in and do one thing forever. Right. Marco Krokop had one game and then it ran out on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minute he got knocked out by Gonzaga, everyone was like, "Oh, you can knock yeah. him out too." And then he started to get Same knocked out Silva. more and more. Now everyone's calling him out. Yeah. No one's scared of him anymore. Once you lose that in, that aura of invincibility, right. now you're breakable. Right. You're human again. Mm-hmm. It's like in the Olympics when a world record gets broken. Right. It's weird. Like in all Olympic sports, right. like something will happen where you'll have a, a, a world record will stand for a long period of time. Then it gets broken, mm-hmm. and then it gets broken like five times in a right. row. Yeah, you're so right. Because you get the belief. Right, yeah. So once you that that invincibility's gone, I mean, totally. look what could happen. So that's yeah. like with Dominic Cruz. I feel like his career is going to end poorly now. Oh yeah, you don't think I, he's winning any? Uh... He's gonna he'll go like you know two and two right. something like that, and then be a full time uh, commentator if John Anik and right. him don't. I think keep he's good. Fighting. I like uh, I like Cruz. He's too combative with the other guys for me yeah, in the well, telecast. Well, I feel like he's not good on like Fox Sports One. And I think him and Rogan. Fight in the, uh, yeah, he's him like and fighting. Rogan are no good. No, you don't. Why? Because they're both so opinionated. Yeah, they come at like. Well, uh, Joe Rogan, for example, when I listen to his podcast now, yeah, he is. If 
what what he thinks is right and what he it's that way or no way. Like it's literally like or otherwise he's blown away if you tell him something that's like and he has to look it up and then he's yeah, you know what I mean? He's like this weird libertarian mindset. Like, yeah. everybody's free to do whatever. Where Dominic Cruz is, like, super aggressive, combative. Right. Joe Rogan's not combative. I used to, I used to not like Dominic Cruz because he was like, I thought he was like a douche. And then I started liking because I was like, wow, he's got a really cool mindset the way he looks at things and everything. And I, I think in the right context, Dominic Cruz is very valuable. In the wrong context, he's just fucking annoying. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. So, like, Joe Rogan, same thing. Right. There's sometimes Joe Rogan's on the mic, and I'm like, Joe, just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, you're going off into, like, tinfoil hat conspiracy <laughs> theory time. Like, totally. And, and you're throwing out Tenth Planet stuff. It's right. like, he's going to do the zombie trap door Frankenstein. <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. It's like, he went for an omoplata. Right. Chill out. Yeah. You know? No, like, he definitely... Uh, Definitely goes crazy. But Joe Rogan, I think, I feel like Joe Rogan is respectful to the audience, the coaches, and the fighters. Like, he speaks in a way where he dick rides for sure, mm-hmm. but I think he tries to give a more honest, like, and empathetic view where right. Dominic Cruz is like, nope, this is right, this is wrong, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And totally. if he says underhook one more time, I'm going to, like, punch a hole in the TV. Who, uh, Dominic, Dominic Cruz. Cruz? What well, is that? Oh, my God. The last time I watched the pay-per-view... Every fight, well, if you would get the underhook, the underhook, the underhook, the underhook. They they started making fun of it oh, because really? he kept Why? saying he it so much. much. He's like, "Up, oh, guys, got to learn the underhook." It was like a I don't thousand think they times. Got rid of Goldberg. Why the fuck did they do that? That was like the best combo, him and Joe. I don't know how. I don't, I don't know, know, know they, what they were thinking. And now they can't. They don't have no one, right? They're flu- they go through. I really like DC Brian though. Stan. Oh, DC. Yeah, I like he's, DC. He's such a he's passionate cool. guy, and yeah. he's just honest. I do like DC. Yeah, DC's good. I think DC and Joe Rogan are funny together. Yeah. I like John Anik. Yeah, what about uh like Kenny Brian Florian's Stan? good, too. Brian Stan's out. He retired from it. Oh, he's done? Yeah, he's like a fucking realtor or something now. Oh, wow. But Kenny, Kenny Florian's good, too. I yeah, like I him. like Kenny. People shit on Kenny because... I don't know, I think I don't he, know why. He comes across, I think, as a little too intellectual for like the fucking beer-drinking Budweiser right. crowd. No offense to right. you beer-drinking Budweiser fuckers, but <laughs> I think... Uh, Kenny really knows his shit. Yeah, totally. Kenny's one of the smartest dudes I've ever met. Really? Like, training with him, uh, he knows, he really, he's very, very smart, he's very analytical. Jiu-Jitsu's top notch? Yeah. Right? It's like on another level. Wow. Yeah, his, his... Because his, his jujitsu was big in the UFC when people weren't even talking about, like... Yeah. When he choked out Sam Stout, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, like, that was crazy. Right. Yeah, Kenny's, his brother... I know, I remember you told me that. Where are they from, Boston? Boston. Yeah, we can go up to his brother's gym anytime. you told me that. Brother's cool. a fucking hammer. Really? His brother showed me two things. I the, within. So I went up to... I was training Kurt Pellegrino, and, and uh, the Florians and Kurt are really good friends. So we took the train up there to do a couple days of training because mm-hmm. Kurt was going into camp, and he just wanted to whatever. So we went up, and uh, Keith Florian was finishing up his class and he was like okay guys get warmed up and he showed us two things that i i use literally every class i teach groundwork really every single thing i do on the ground literally for mma right goes back to these two things that he said to me wow. it just like blew my mind did like he immediately do anything in mma or no his brother was uh really good his brother did sambo judo brazilian jiu-jitsu but back in like the 90s when the, he's older the, i 
think he's my age. Yeah. So if you call me older, fucker, I'm gonna get pissed. Older like, no. what? I think his brother. I think his brother's late thirties, early forties, something uh, like that. Uh, so oh, Kenny's in. Kenny's in the. Kenny's in his thirties. Okay. Kenny's Kenny's like late thirties now. Oh, okay. What yeah. is Frankie Edgar? I think Frankie like 35, 36. So you think that's what do you think's old? And then they. Or do you really hey, just man. think it's when you get in and how much your body really takes? It's it's your style. It's you. Right. I mean, what there about are old physical men. Crime? I mean, Chris Lieben was old at 24 because yeah, of right. all the drugs, drugs and yeah. head contact. Uh-huh. And then you have other guys that just kind of never aged. I mean, Randy Couture. I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, what do Christ. you think's your physical prime? I can honestly say my personal best at 34, I felt like, 34. I, I, felt like I was... At my peak of everything, because I was mature enough to understand what I was doing. Body though, and I knew my body had to train better. Uh, I trained more efficiently. My cardio was my cardio was the best ever at thirty four. Wow, for sure. I carried too many injuries. I might have bad back, neck, knee. My my Uh body's all fucked up, and that was a weird time. I had an elbow thing. I don't want to go into, but thirty four was the one time where I was like, oh fuck, like if if I wasn't broken, I'd be amazing right right now. And that's why I, the sins of my youth, I paid for them, and that's why I I don't want to, I don't want to see guys burning themselves out too early. I mean, mm. you're 24, you said, right? 25. 25. Okay, so right now, you literally are at the beginning of your career. Right. So if you go too, if you push too far, uh-huh. you don't, you can't recover. Right. And then when the opportunity's there, right, you can't take it because you're shot. You can't right. bag it up. Uh-huh. And that's that's why I I. I'm more patient with the maturation process of mm-hmm. fighters now than I was. I used to think we had to do a lot more Kill than we it, actually right. have to. Right. And I'm not saying that we do less. I mean, my guys do more than... I mean, Carl and Corey just went to the PI, and people are just amazed at how much fucking work they put right. in. Yeah. Carl, Carl's like born again hard. This motherfucker, mm-hmm. the amount of hours he puts in, the amount of miles he puts in, it's it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Uh, I, he's I, living, eating, breathing. Literally. 100%. And he feels unstoppable because he never feels that he has to stop. Right, yeah. He's just a, a machine. Right. I, I, I hope everybody could get to that point. Mm-hmm. So if he got a call that we had to fight tomorrow, right. You'd be anywhere, right. we would right. be like, let's go. We're fine. Right. We're good. Because yeah, he's always amazing. in shape. That's amazing. But it's just a life, man. Right. You'll get there. No, I'm going to get there now. I want to be at the point where, you know, I'm 5, 6, and 0. Oh, if they need someone, I, I want to be able to... You need to be a week to two weeks out mm-hmm. all the time. Exactly. In the position you're in. Right. Because the only way that you're going to get in the UFC is a short notice fight. Right. Like the fight coming up next weekend right. if somebody falls off and by chance – because this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Guy falls off. Right. They go to the list of guys they have on the roster. Right. They call all the guys that are available and say you want to take the fight. Right. And if they're healthy and available – They'll get the fight. Right. But if they go through that and no one's available, they then they go to the list of prospects. Right. And in the crazy part is you could – okay, so say it came down to you and Ricky. Right. You would probably – well, not right now. Let's say Ricky – Well, because he has a fight coming up. He has right. a fight coming up. And here's my point on that is that both of you have your medicals done. Uh-huh. It could literally come down to which one of you has a current passport. Wow. So, like, if they have a fight in London right. and you both have medicals but only you have the passport, right. they're going to send you mm-hmm. because they don't have time to get Ricky's. Right. And now you got a three-fight deal with the UFC and you got a chance to prove yourself. Wow. 
Oh, so you're saying they might even give you off taking a short notice fight, a, an actual contract, not just a one fight. Oh, they never the, – nine, pretty much if you when fight, you go in, right. they give you a three-fight deal. Uh-huh. Like if you go in and completely shit the bed, they right. tear the contract up and yeah. say, get out of here. Right, right. But you come in and they define the deal because if you come in and you do well, they have uh-huh. to have the deal defined because right. they don't want you to come in, do great, and then be like, all right, let's negotiate. Uh, gotcha. They have a standard three-fight deal that right. you get when you come in, and that's just the way it goes. Right. So that's why, I mean, the the key is just being ready so when the call comes, you can get in. Like right. the worst thing that could happen is they call you and you're like, oh, shit, I'm 30 pounds out right. and uh, I need I a month. I haven't trained in, yeah. You know, I haven't trained since yeah. my last fight. Right. Unless somebody died in your family and they don't even give a shit about that. Uh, I told them with Carl's fight, I was like, my wife is literally due within mm, days. Right. Like, I don't care. You don't take this fight. You're not fighting until September. Fuck. Right. They don't care about anything. Uh, they just care about... You gotta they go. gotta do what they gotta do. Right. They just pay four and a half billion dollars for the company. They, they, they don't give a sure fuck the about you. They gotta do what they gotta do to make right. money. Uh-huh. Is what it is. But it's cool. That's the game. Yeah. What do you want next? What do you what do you what do you see? Do you want you wanna fight right away? What do you wanna do? Alright, so the plan is already set. Oh. Plan's already set. I got an I got a couple promoters reach out to me for April, May cards in Pennsylvania, but Realistically, if I don't get the call of the UFC, which doesn't seem... You like never know. I'm, I'm you saying, never know. You never know. So if I don't get it by June, I'm going to defend my belt June 8th. My birthday is June 5th. So I'll fight June 8th, defend the belt. My son's due June 6th. You son really? of a bitch. Shit. <laughs> Hopefully my kid will come June uh, 1st. early or late. Yeah, or late, yeah. Yeah, I'll only be in Atlantic City, so it's right, not yeah, like, yeah. like Carl's fight. I gotta go to fucking Brazil. That, oh, that Brazil? That's Dude, where he's is. fighting in Rio, May 12th. Oh, I thought it was in Vegas. Oh, he's fighting in Rio. So oh, I'm so shitting like, uh, totally my pants, dude. Different time. Uh, yeah. If I have to go, if I have to go to fucking Rio, oh my God, my wife has the kid while I'm in Brazil. I will never live that down. I will be murdered. I will oh, be sleeping wild. in the backyard all summer. Thank God it'll it'll, it'll be warm out. In the summer, yeah. It'll be summer, right. so that tent won't be too cold. <laughs> <laughs> For the next two months. Fuck. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, so, all right. So, Rain Combat June. That's a I good timeline. I'm line. 4-0 in Rain Combat. I might as well just, you know what I mean? Hey, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. Exactly. That's your home. And I love, it is. That's my you cage. You own it. That's my cage. I'm habitual. I'm weird, like, when we, I like to put guys, like, I had a relationship with Kate Shuri for Carl. Right. That worked. Uh-huh. I had a relationship with Rand Combat when I was doing work with George Sullivan mm-hmm. and Justin Haskins. And, they're, like, I've been to Rand Combat so many goddamn right. times. Right. It's easy. You uh-huh. know exactly what yeah. you're doing. You're, and it's funny. There's no bells and whistles. Right. You don't... You, like Kate Shuri tried to be a little bit too oh, UFC ish. Yeah, I heard it's so it drags like the weigh-ins or yeah, like Yeah, and you gotta sign posters and you gotta right. go do to interviews. Sign posters? Dude, you sign posters, you do interviews, you have all this shit you gotta right. go through. And it does prepare you because the UFC right. level it's what it is. But at that point I feel like I'll just be embracing everything. But Rand Combat, you know what it is. It's easy. So easy. You sign the contract. You sell your tickets. You turn your tickets in. You make fucking weight. You punch somebody in the face. You go party at uh, Providence. 
Is that still the Providence? club? Is that the club? Did they change the name? <laughs> no, uh, Haven. That's All right, I that go. used to be Providence. Oh, they really? changed it. I okay. was like, nah, I never heard nah. of that. I haven't been out after fights. And, hey, when was the last time you saw me go yeah, after a fight? Nah. I just see you the night of the fight. And, and then it. I get in a car and I go home because yeah. my wife's like waiting for me. Exactly. <laughs> and I miss my fucking kid. Right. I'm addicted to my son. It's a problem. Well, that's the thing. After I, uh, once I get to UFC, I want to I wanna bring a, a Philly Jr. along. Ooh, that's look at goal. that. No, seriously. All right. I mean, I'm, uh, me and my girlfriend are two years in, in next week, March 16th. Wow. It's 10 years for my wife and I. 10 years? Yeah. What, when now or next month? It'll be 10 years in June. Wow. That we've been years. together. We've been married. I can't even tell you how long we've been married. It's not been that long. We got married later. I think we were together six years before we got married. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, we waited. Yeah, my wife. I, I'm not even going to talk about that when she got mad at me. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen this far. Yeah, she got, she got sick of me. At one point, she was like, you're just never going to marry me. I was like, I don't know if I really believe in the institution of marriage. Like, we're good. Like, why don't I want to fuck it up? Like, we're good. Like, let's just keep doing what we're doing. It's working. And she goes, you're going to wait for me to get pregnant. And I was like, no, no. And then she got pregnant. I'm like, will you marry me? <laughs> fuck. I did exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. And, and I got fucked on this. All right, so I said... I'm going to go to Paris. I planned a trip to Paris, France. Mm. And I said to myself, that's where I'm going to propose. Right. Then she got pregnant. And then I said, fuck. Changed everything. Well, we got married there instead. Oh, so we went did. to Paris and oh, we got so. married. So, But I wanted to go and propose, like right, surprise right. her and propose, and then come home and get married. Uh, so instead, the trip was already planned. And right. instead of proposing, I said, fuck it, let's just get married uh, there because oh, that's so amazing. Oh, married in France? I got married on a boat on the Seine underneath the Eiffel Tower. Wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah, I don't do anything average, man. Me neither. Nah, you got to go for it. Exactly. Got to go for it. It's funny. The culture of Killer B and whatever I do, um, it's funny we tend to attract it's not a wrestling room <laughs> you know right. like this isn't uh, this isn't collegiate sports right. this is a lot of people on individual trips where we train together mm-hmm. towards individual goals right and we develop very self-reliant people like you can be on your own trip right. and do really well here because we all get that right. like that's Carl yeah. like Carl is not like, I'm not going to say he's not a team player. He's, like, right. the captain of my team here. Right. And Carl and I are, like, but I don't have to sit on him. Mm-hmm. I don't have to sit on you. Right. I, if I tell you guys to do something, you have the belief and the drive to do it. Right. And those are the people that tend to gravitate towards the environment here. Right. And I feel as a fighter that's really important that you have that. I think the most successful fighters are that way. Because at the end of the day, you don't fight for me. You fight for you. Right. And I have to accept that. Uh, and I have to support that. Right. It's Team Caracapa. Right. Who the fuck else is throwing your punches? Right. You yeah. need us to help you. My totally. insight, Dante's insight, right. Keith's fucking knowledge of how to get you in shape. You uh, need that. Right. But none of us are going to fucking do the reps. Yeah. None of us are going to fucking throw the punches and right. kicks and do the moves. We're just going to help you do them better, but you're right. still going to do it. So at the end of the day, this is an individual sport. It takes a team to get you ready, but you got to do the work. So, yeah. And family. I mean, for the family that's there for you, that's, like, for example, like, my girlfriend. Yeah. You know? My wife's everything I don't just it. do this just for my, I mean, I want to, I want to set myself up for a, a family and everything. Like, that's yeah. why I'm doing this. Totally. Well, I, I see I, what you're saying yourself. My last name. Yeah. You know what like, I mean? Like, 
I do it for my wife and my son or the family that I do it for. And I'm not I'm not like hating on anyone else in my family, uh, but there's nobody else in my family that's like I'm out there fighting for right. it. Like my mom and dad or my mom and dad, like right. it's different. The the family that I'm building mm-hmm. is the one I fight for. Right. And that's the same thing you're communicating here too. You want to have right. a kid and your girl and like But I, I mean I also do want to and you have your brothers, your fighting brothers right, yeah, and your yeah, parents yeah. are real supportive and all that. So I mean I have my definitely my system around me, you know what I mean? For yeah. Sure. But you're gonna build a family around you and your girlfriend, right? Where that other family is the one you have, right? Exactly. But the building one, that's the one you really fight right. for, totally. Because the other one, that's a given, right? But the one you build, yeah, those are your bricks. Exactly. That's your mortar. Right. That's your glue. It's, it's your fucking effort. Right. That's what you fight for. Mm-hmm. You know? Your mom and you can fight, but she's right. always going to be your mom. Right. If you and your girl don't, like, fight through, right. that could go away. Exactly. So it's a totally different connection. Yeah, you're so right. And that's that man shit. Yeah. And if you're not a man in this fucking game, right. this game will break you. Totally. You can't be a fucking fool. You got to be, you gotta be an adult. I think part of being a professional as an athlete, you got to be... You gotta be a fucking man about it, and being a man is uh, owning up to shit. Yeah, no responsibility. One, totally, and I feel like that's what this sport brings is humility, and I feel like humility makes makes or breaks a person, or really shows who you really are. I feel like fighting in front of people and being embarrassed and being humiliated and just the fact of going in front of people, having the chance to get knocked out or yeah just really humbles you as as a person i feel like it's gave me so much more respect for just people in general i say this this came to me a couple weeks ago and i've really been spending a lot of time thinking about it i think money fame and fighting they don't change you they expose you yeah so for example i win my fight the other night we go out the next day it's me my brother Shoda, my best yep. friend Shoda, and Christina, and we are going to my brother's wrestling match. We're going out to eat. I am so happy and so I'm paying for everything. <laughs> I'm making sure everyone is, and I just feel like that's not because I'm getting money. It's just because I, I'm so filled with like happiness, and yeah. I just want everyone else to around me to feel. I don't know. I just feel like you want to share it. Yeah, I want to share it totally. Totally. You're not sitting there. The, the worst. I'm not like ah, uh, like. Yeah, the biggest failures I've ever worked with are the guys that demand the praise. Right. They feel like you should be heaping praise and adulation right. on them because they went and did something. Right. The guys that make it long term uh, are the ones that give. Right. And that's why they get the victories. Exactly. Right. Because they appreciate shit. Right. They don't feel entitled. Uh-huh. So the guy who happens to be good at something that acts like an entitled prick, right? they're the ones that have the worst careers and their endings are always exactly. horrible. That's the guy who retires. And loses and it nobody, all. Because when you retire from fighting, mm-hmm. all the people that gave a shit about you don't give a shit about you anymore. Right. You're a footnote in history. Right. No one cares. Mm. And give it long enough time, no one fucking cares. Right. And in MMA, it's an obscure sport. Mm. You didn't win the Super Bowl, you know? Right. There's only freak athletes that will remember forever in, in MMA. The, the the list of guys that, that transcend like what, past the sport? pop culture right. is very, very limited. You could probably put it on one hand. 
I, I, I can name names right now of guys that were at the top of the world at one point that literally no Never. current fan of the UFC would even have a clue what right. I was talking about. Uh-huh. And they're miserable pricks for it because they are frustrated that the world doesn't know who they are. Right. And they can't figure out how to provide value to the people around them in a current way to keep themselves employed, right. to keep their name current. Mm-hmm. It's all value, dude. Like, yeah. you're 25. When you're 45... And your career is done, possibly. Who knows? You might find some stem cell that'll keep you in, like, <laughs> whatever. But like, at forty-five, how do you years from now, yeah. how do you take what you did Friday night and still make money off of it? It's not signing autographs because no one's going to give a shit about Rand mm-hmm. Combat. Sorry, Rand well, Combat. What, what are you saying? What do I think I'm going to be in twenty years from now? Right. What value? Does that winning that Rand Combat belt right. on Friday night, what value are you going to be able to provide some people in a way that's going to allow you to continue to make a living and be valuable in the world? I think I'm just... What I think eventually is going to come from it is I am naturally gravitate towards helping people. And I really think 20 years from now, whatever I establish in the next 20 years from being the Rand Combat champ to whatever's going to happen is going to lead me into some type of coaching position that I'm going to have my own gym and like I totally see my, right now I can't see myself doing too that too young too inexperienced too, way too inexperienced I can't even see myself I can see myself taking some time doing like a, my own like MMA class or something but I mean as far as like I'm yeah. too young and immature and too you have too much too many miles ahead of you that you got to focus on, on myself. too man yeah but I'm saying down right the now. line I totally see myself being like being a coach and being able to, you know, give everyone what, what I got out of this sport. There are a lot of guys that coach that they don't really coach. They open up a gym, they put their name on it, right? and they just celebrate themselves. No, I would. I want to build, like... Legacy. Right. I want to build fighters. I want to build champions. Well, you want to build legacy. Right, exactly. You want to be known for something. Right. Whatever right. it is. Right. Fighters. Right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You I know. mean, I might go into acting. I, I think I'm an <laughs> actor, too, so... Hey, but again, the the point of it is, whatever it is you do, mm. nobody's going to owe you shit for it, right. ever. You're never going to be owed anything unless you figure out how to take that experience and provide value for the people that you're currently with. So what about all the people right now that reach out to me, right now I'm talking, that make me feel like I owe them something because I'm becoming... Well, those are the those are the fucking people you gotta eject, right? man. That's the worst. Right? Carl's dealing with it Coming too. Out of nowhere, Corey, Carl. Dude, we talk I love about you all to death, yeah. bro. We run into people, Carl. I've witnessed it. Uh-huh. We went to high play to watch fights. People come up, yo, Carl, my boy. Carl's like, I don't even know who the fuck this guy right, is. Yeah. They're acting like they're best friends, right. trying to get a selfie with uh-huh. them to tell people that they're connected to this, right. that, and the other thing, and then. Ask him about the people in his family mm-hmm. asking for shit that he right. doesn't even have. The perception of who you right. are and what the reality of what you are. Uh-huh. Once you're in the UFC, everybody thinks you're a millionaire. Yeah. Like, Which no. is funny. I know. I'm not making that much money. You right. know, like, I don't I have it to give. I can't, I can't fucking pay the mortgage on right. your house. I'm living uh, in an apartment that I rent. <laughs> like, right, yeah. what the fuck? It's just but funny. It's... It, you get all these people that they see your success as an opportunity to kind of like get something mm-hmm. and that's the shit you just got to put blinders right. on you got to ignore yeah that's why well, they're tra- like dude i trained with you for years like I'm talking about people i even trained with at, like for modern yeah reaching out to me now like dude like and they're not not in my fights nothing and they're just like bro like let's start training again it's just funny how 
It's just funny how, how everything works. I got a guy came to me and said, yeah, if I had the freedom to do what Carl does, I'd be there too. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You have that freedom. Mm-hmm. You want to go do strength and conditioning? Go to Keith. Right. You want meals? I got a guy. Give, I got meal plans to go. They'll give you fucking six months of meals without charging you. Right. Can you tell me you got a fight coming up? They'll fucking take care of you. Uh-huh. I won't charge you for class. Give me a percentage of your fucking fight money. Right. What's your What's your problem now? You told me you couldn't afford it. You told me you didn't have time. Mm-hmm. You do have time. Right. Like stop it. Like you're not there because you're not there. Right. Like nobody owes you shit. Mm-hmm. Like what did you do? Like, right. stop coming up with your excuses. Mm-hmm. Stop acting like you're a part of whatever. Right. Make yourself valuable, and then we'll talk. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, 10 years ago. That's nice. I'm glad we knew each other 10 years ago. But mm-hmm. where the fuck have you been? You didn't buy tickets. Right. You didn't call me up and say, good job. Mm-hmm. When I lost, you didn't say, keep your chin up. You're going to be fine. Right. You know, when I won now a couple times, like, you waited till my fifth win to come see me? Because yeah. I got a belt. You're coming in and talk to me now? Right. Where the fuck you been? Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, that's the fair weather but fans, they get man. Mad. Yeah. Hey, if they get mad, it's on them, bro. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Who gives a shit? I know. I only, I don't want anything to anyone besides the people that are truly helping me get where um, and I'm intelligent enough to know who that really is, you know? Yeah. It, it all makes itself clear, man. The truth about everybody does. And that's as much as fighting exposes you. Right. Exposes all. Your success will expose a lot of people right. around you. Like, for example kid I just fought he'll post something before his fight and this isn't just him I'm just saying because I just seen this he posts the the weigh-ins of our fight yeah got 40 50 people commented on dude you're gonna wreck this kid it's all you next day he posts the picture of us two that he lost you got 10 people that comment on the picture yeah it's just it just, but if he would have won that fight it would have tripled. He would have had 300. Exactly. Yeah. You know the one that really pissed me off? This one I hate. So, as a coach, I hate the fucking coaches that go to the fights and they're like, we're going to crush it tonight. Mm-hmm. And then they lose and, don't and they don't post, post shit. Right. That's bullshit. Right, yeah. Because they just want people to see that they're you, winning. And it's not about that, right. man. Well, that's what social media is. But you know what, though? That's what social media is now. It's only... You're only portraying and showing people the good in what you can... You know how I roll. Yeah. I say no it all. bullshit. But I, I say it all. Right. I can flat out say that I have actually... By celebrating my... Fa- but not celebrating, that's the worst. By sharing my failures, I've gained more real followers mm. than I ever did celebrating a victory. Right. Because people... Well, hey, people only follow you when you're winning because it's whoa. That's something. That's something amazing. But you want to know. But that's the fake shit. But then when people follow you, when they're like, "Wow, that's raw motion." That's, that's because that's fucking that's life, dude. Yeah, exactly. We all lose way more than we fucking win. No matter right. how much you win, right. just on a daily basis, just mm-hmm. think about the pain of life. Life is not easy. Not at all. So when you see somebody being real about the struggle, right. And you're a real person. Uh, yeah. You're gonna respect it. Yeah, I gravitate. I gravitate towards that. The fake sense. people only go after the victories. Right. The ones that want to get. It's the guys that rent the Mercedes to right. take the like on ball and pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Right. I had a guy. I drive a fucking BMW. I don't drive any slick one. I drive an X1. I drive a nice car. Right. I had a guy at Wegmans taking a picture sitting on the hood of my car for his Instagram to act like it was his. 
I was like, dude, get the fuck off my car. He's like, yo, yo, I'm just taking a picture from my fucking feet. I was like, get the fuck off my oh car. Oh, my God. Yeah. Seriously? Seriously. Guy was posing on my car to act, to, to, to act like he had a BMW. That's sick. Well, that's, that's social media. That's just generation. But that's the fuckers that are looking to get the selfie with you while you got the belt. Right. Oh, I trained with him. Yep. Even though they're never going to fight, they're going to go... I got people posting photos of me on social media from my fights maybe from a year ago or yeah. something saying like, oh, we've been... Uh, it actually bothers me a little bit because I Why? feel obligated... Eh, because I feel it. weird to... I feel like I have to say be nice towards that because they were there at some point. Or you know what, though? In time, the reality of all of it gets exposed. Say thanks. Keep doing right. your thing. Don't call anybody out on dumb right. shit. Yeah. Because when you go to the UFC and they're still hanging out where they're hanging out mm-hmm. and their friends are going, I thought you were there. Right. What, what are they going to say? Oh, he didn't bring me. Yeah. No, you didn't do anything. True. You didn't do yeah. anything. Right. Well, that's how, you know how many coaches claim credit for Carl? I love it. Really? I'm the only fucker in his corner. I know. The only fucker I've ever been in his corner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. Uh-huh. Got one asshole in Neptune in particular who's constantly like, oh, he started with me. I showed him everything he knows. Really? You haven't seen the fucking kid in eight years. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, and he sucked when he was with you. He's fat and lazy. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry, <right>. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah, but it's just, that, you know, it's it's the challenge, and it's not going to get that side of it. Right. won't get any easier. Because now everyone's hitting me up. I'm talking people wanting to sponsor me. And that's bullshit, too. Yeah. No, here's the bullshit hey, sponsor. Hey, you have an agent. I get to, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is uh the one you get like the guys that want to sponsor you but it's not really sponsoring you it's like you know they'll send you a couple t-shirts yeah, I got sponsoring is send me money bitch exactly pay me exactly. shut the fuck up pay me I don't want I don't want free t-shirts I don't want to help hats. and I'm not being a dick but it's like okay so you want to take my audience and sell and help sell you sell t-shirts clothing. so right. you give me what costs you ten dollars you're gonna right. give me like a ten dollar t-shirt so I can make you help you make money right I'm sorry but if you want to use my fan base right Sorry, there's a price tag. And I feel like you come off a dick. You sound like a dick. Come no, you don't. Right? You don't. You don't. Those fucking losers are going to talk shit about right. you while they're out of business. Yeah. I would have made it if Phil wore my shirt. Right. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You never would have made it. Right. Because you don't, you don't want to step up and do the work. Exactly. Put You're me. doing the work. Right. They're trying to ride your work. Right. I had so many people saying, can I send you shirts? Can I send you this? Can I send you that? Because everybody watched it. And then the minute I say, the funny thing is... So when I reach out to some people for sponsorships, they tell me, oh, we're flexible in whether it's money, whether yeah. it's... And then I go, oh, it's this this and so amount. Sorry, man. Uh, we're going to leave off this fight. And then I'm just like, you were obviously bullshitting. You yeah. They get. Because what it is is a bunch of people go on YouTube. They watch a bunch of Gary Vaynerchuk medias. And Gary says, do this. And Gary Vaynerchuk is probably one of the smartest marketers around. His shit's legit. But people are surface readers. They right. read They read the headline. They they hear a couple things the guy says. Oh, just do this. Right. DM that. So, uh-huh. I mean, do you know how many people DM me on a daily basis asking to do business with me? Yeah, like, I put, like, I put my personal business thoughts out there. Uh-huh. I get, like, 18-year-old wannabe entrepreneurs like, hey, how do we work together? I'm like... Right. I'm just putting quotes out right now, man. Uh, I have no open positions for you. Right. Like, what do you think we're going to do? Mm. You're literally following me because somebody said to do this. Like, you don't even know what the fuck you're doing, right, man. Right, Like, there's this, there's a, there's a way everyone, this works. Everyone's just trying to make it. And I don't... Whether they have to jump on someone's... Uh, and I think the crash... The wave. I don't hate anybody for trying. Uh, 
but the failure that they're going to get is right. what's going to make or break them. Right. The same way a win or a loss would make or break you. Uh-huh. So that guy who's trying to hit you up for free T-shirts and he's spinning a fucking tail to try and get you. Right. He, he's either going to get to the point where he's going to either really learn how to do it or he's going to go do what he was really meant to do, which right. was not what he's faking. Right. Like, so you're going to either, you know, fake it until you make it uh-huh. or fake it until it breaks you. Right. And that's what it's just a process. So you can't right. feel bad about it, but you definitely got to call bullshit. Yeah. Nah, I guess. Because you don't want to get wrapped up in other people's fucking drama. Right. You got your own shit to worry about. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so just keep forging ahead, keep winning fights. And when it comes down to it, and, I, and this is advice to anybody on the way up, especially in a fight game, when it comes to sponsorship, whatever, don't take sponsors for free just to feel cool. Oh. I'm at that point where I, I know that. You need money. Yeah, of course. You got to camp. Right. You got to put food on the table. And that I guy... take off work. I have to really... Yeah. But think about this, though. You take the, the guy with the shirt. You take his shirt, right? right? So you agree on Monday to wear a shirt. Uh-huh. What about if Tuesday, if Tuesday you got a call from a guy who wants to give you 100 bucks to wear a shirt? Right. You can't because you committed to the free one. Mm. So you're better off going out there with... No fucking labels. Right, until... Then to take somebody's label just to look good. Right. It's not about looking good. Mm-hmm. It's about being good and about getting paid. Right. So don't take free shit at Thinking. the expense of that right. paid thing. Uh-huh. You know, that's my relationship with guys. Like, if I take free shit, it's like, hey, man, just so you know, if somebody with money comes around, right. I got to dump you. Yeah. I got to go with the other one. Like, I'm doing you a favor, right? but I'm clear about it. Right. But if you're not clear about it, you get fucked up. Totally. And there's some shit that's going to happen. There's a show right now that's got problems that they did a deal on sponsorship that's going to fucking tank the show. Like, there's, it doesn't matter what level you're at, man. Uh-huh. Some people create relationships because they think it's like a cool relationship. Right. Ah, man, you can't just. Relationships are everything in this business, mm-hmm. but they have to be progressive ones, not just right. not just uh, ego. Right. You don't like if Nike says to you, "Hey, man, you can wear our shirt." It's nice to say that Nike gave you a shirt. Right. And if Joe Blow wanted to give you $1,000, I'd mm-hmm. take Joe Blow's 1000 over the free shit right. from Nike any oh, day. Yeah. Totally. Because I can't eat off Nike, exactly. but I can eat off that fucking money he pays right. me. Eh, it's what it is. It's that balance we all got to find. Yo, man, we've been talking a while. Cool. And it's getting late. And uh, I got to go home. Ba- I got to get back to eating. You got to get back to McDonald's. <laughs> I'm going to probably stop at Wendy's or Taco Bell on the way. Oh, my God. And then you'll have to stop at like a Dunkin' Donuts Uh, and take a shit. Exactly. Yeah. Grab a coffee while I'm at it. Oh, my God. That'll help you get rid of it at least. I know. Fuck. So, Phil, tell people where they can check you out. Check me out on Instagram. I'll be flexing. He's actually flexing right now. He said Instagram (laughs) and started flexing. That's so weird. That's scary. It's an instinct. Oh, my God. It's instinctive nature. Uh, you could on Instagram at at Philly Cara, on Facebook. Before I get famous, just Phil Cara Kappa, and uh, I'll have a Twitter eventually. You don't have Twitter yet? No. Oh my God, you gotta get on Twitter. Yeah, I do. Right? I gotta start calling out some names in the UFC. Nah, don't do that because no? that pisses people off sometimes too. We'll talk about that. There's yeah. a, it, there's a fine line between promotion and, and a nuisance. Right, like Kobe Covington. Ugh. I can't stand him. Yeah, but he's going to get a big fight for it. I know. People he knocks people out. I know. Shit. But 
I mean, I'm the next big thing. Phil Caracappa, Phil the Hitman Caracappa. You're world famous in Freehold. I'm world famous in Freehold. <laughs> Partially famous in all of Jersey. And uh, uh, you're a man on the path, and you're a man with a lot of self belief. So the 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 thing now is just uh, watching you take that belief and those actions, putting them together, man. It's going to be an it. interesting ride. So hopefully. Uh, if other shit doesn't come together, it's going to be June 5th? June 8th. June 8th. June, June 8th. 5th, my birthday. June 5th, your birthday. June 8th. We'll Defend get... my belt. Yeah. Well, that'll Six be good. and oh. Yeah. So, uh, and shout-outs to anybody you want to shout-out to? Shout-outs to... Uh, Let everybody know the training circle you do, um, like where you so train. I train... My uh, head gym is Dante. Dante Rivera, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I do all my cage work, sparring, Jiu-Jitsu there. My head... Striking coach Brian Me. Wright, right here at Killer B. This is where I got the. This is where I'm turning the brawling into technical brawling. We're trying. We're trying. Straighten we're that shit to, out. We're learning how to kick. My kicks were good in, in the warm ups, weren't they? Yeah, and that that straight right hand. Straight right hand. Off right. the low kick, I yeah, told yeah, yeah. you it was going to happen. Exactly what it was. I told you. He went straight down, and uh, my strength and conditioning over at Bulldog and Freehold, definitely. Uh, if you can't tell, my legs have gotten a lot bigger since I started. Uh, I have muscle in my legs now. Do the facts of the podcast. No one's going to be able to tell the difference in your legs. Cause I, well, once they go on my social media, at Philly Cara on Instagram, they will. So you went from stick legs to I went from stick legs stick. to, to <laughs> just remove the stick. They have their legs now. Now you just have legs, yeah. at least. Okay, so. Yeah, so Dante. Yeah. You got Dante. You got Killer B. You've got Bulldogs and Barbells. Um yeah, you've got a you've got a really good crew around you. And I got um, my girl who does all all the cooking for me. She all organic food. Makes you laugh before fights. Makes me laugh before fights with crazy sayings like uh, "It's game time, baby," and "Bring home that belt, baby." You know what? I said it from the beginning. You're lucky to have the girlfriend that you have. I am. She I totally am. She literally. You have like. The, she gives me all the freedom. If I can't talk to her for ten days straight because I'm training, she, she's yeah. You got the right. You got the right girl for the fight life. Totally. You you got lucky on that. It's I one did. of the hardest things. Right. I told my wife I was going to fight at forty, and she said, "Don't be a pussy and embarrass the family." <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you say that because a year ago I was like, I wish she was more telling me, no, don't go to training, no, don't go to training. And now that it's I'm a professional and this is my job, I'm like, holy shit. No, I but have... she respects you and what you do, and that's why you're in a good yeah, sitch, dude. Totally. You're in a good spot. I am. You, you're, you're, you are, you're in a good spot all the way around. I am. So, Knock and, on wood. And you know it. And, and you're, I'm and, grateful and, for it. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of it. So, All right. We've been talking a while. i got to do the regular shout-outs to the people that make this possible. Sucker Punch Entertainment, for sure. They're the ones that make sure that... You know, we've got the sponsors, and Carl's got the opportunities, and we keep this machine rolling on. Uh, Alienware, uh, Pure Spectrum, Meal Plans to Go. Who else? Carl got a whole bunch of new sponsors. I'll throw some more stuff on social. I'm tired. My brain's not working. I'm going to have to uh, call my sponsor list at that. I got to also shout out to Mike Selly from Aggressive Sports Management. He's been uh, doing some work with us, bringing us some opportunities to work with NFL athletes. There's going to be more things about that coming out soon too. So, All right. 
This is Brian Wright. You can find me at brianwright732.com, brianwright732 on Instagram and Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. You can find the gym, killerbcsa.com, killerbcsa on Instagram and Twitter. And the Hive podcast is at thehivecast.com. We're also on TuneIn, iTunes, Google Play, easiest way, also SoundCloud. Easiest way, just go to thehivecast.com and you can catch all of our episodes. So this is Brian with Phil. This is The Hive and we are out.